We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and Abe is unfortunately at work, but we'll still have a good show here. Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I normally discuss new movies weekly. However, we like to have these special bonus episodes, whether it's one of our fun commentary tracks or something completely different. But this is our fun commentary track for the month of December 2019. We've done it. We've done another 12 months worth of commentary tracks. And this month, in honor of the release of Star Wars, and The Rise of Skywalker, we have... Star Wars, colon, episode three, Revenge, sorry, Dash, Revenge of the Sith, the commentary track for the third and final entry in the prequel Star Wars trilogy, which makes it our sixth Star Wars commentary track, because naturally we did one, I think it, I think we did Star Wars, Phantom Menace, then we did Empire, then we did Clones, and then we did Return of the Jedi, and now we got this one, I think that's the order that we did all these in, but yeah, we've, we've completed the, the first six films. Uh, of this series and uh that's that's what's going to happen tonight we're going to complete it tonight in fact uh the commentary track here uh joining me to discuss episode three revenge of the sith we have from why so blue and the cult cinema cavalcade podcast allowed to sit on the jedi council but not as a member it's brandon peters aaron newerth you're shorter than i expected <laughs> also joining us from the milky way blues and why so blue emerging from the fiery rivers of mustafar it's yancey burns hey guys glad to be here and from Forbes, reeling from getting the Senate thrown at him by Zack Snyder, it's Scott Mendelson. <laughs> it's not every day you get to be the villain in Finding Forrester. <laughs> well, you weren't the man now, dog, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> how are the three of you doing this evening? I'm doing very well. Doing good. My powers have yeah, doubled good. since last we met. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. Glad you guys are here. Glad we can talk about another Star Wars movie. These are always pretty packed commentary tracks there's a lot to say about these a good thing we're out the i believe like the second or third longest of the star wars films because there's a lot to go over um so with all of that what we're going to do here is talk about this movie we all have it currently paused five seconds in it's right where the 20th century fox logo is appearing on screen remember when fox owned star wars that was a time but yeah so when on the sound of i'm going to count down from three and say go and we're all going to press play and start talking over the movie if you plan to follow along I just gave you the starting point five seconds in. If you're just listening to listen, you're good. That's all. You just get to enjoy us talking, <laughs> enjoy four nerds talking about Star Wars. So, I think we're all ready. You guys ready? Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Yippee! Three, two, one. Lutini. <laughs> all right. I commented the other day on one of your posts, Scott. Like, it seems like a hundred years ago that Fox owned Star Wars. Like, it seems like it's been such a long time that was a thing. Before the dark times. Exactly. Before the Republic. Before the over. silent Lucasfilm logo. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember when they first came on digital? They they wiped the star the 20th Century Fox logo except for the first one, and then they made some like over the Lucasfilm, and then when Force Awakens, they're like, all right, we're going silent. When they came, I, I never watched them. Did I've never watched? I, I watched. Uh, so I never bought them on digital. Um, and uh, I, I, like, I saw on I'm like sorry. Twitter or something that real, they did that. Real quick, the first I like the first word is war. Ah! I like that. I like that. That's the opening scroll. Yes. <laughs> I, this movie I think, messing around. This might be my least favorite opening crawl. Oh, as far as the the, the wording, the wording <laughs> and stuff. Yeah. Like there are heroes story. on both sides. Evil is everywhere. It's very yeah. pulpy. I like. I like how pulpy it is. 
Like this whole opening twenty minutes. I mean, it's minutes, super it's pulpy. Like Scott, you described this. What do you describe this opening as? The scroll or the action sequence? The, like this whole just opening twenty minutes of this movie. Oh, it's some of my fa- it's my favorite action sequence of the decade. It's just pure gonzo, everything you'd want in a Star Wars movie and more. Uh, I loved it. Well, Scott, it's one of the reasons I like this movie so much. Scott, I say patience. <laughs> Not for this movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is a hell of an open. Like, I, th- this was one of the most talked about things when this movie came out. Was this opening? Because it just throws like, you into impre- this crazy, colorful Race battle. battle and, yeah. yeah, I like and the it's pan. Really... Like the pan right here. It's like you know we normally get like one ship or whatever. Here, you're like you're slowly revealing like okay, there's a ship, and then you realize oh, there's all the ships. Like we're like right like it said war at the beginning. We're in it. This is a Star War right here. <laughs> like, and I will I I will say like people you know you can complain about like CG and taking over stuff in this, but this space battle proved that you could make some really effective like spaceship battles with CG that were as good as, you know, shooting great models of film and just as effective and intense as good. But I don't really know if this has been matched too much since. Are there, is there, is there a scene before this that's like completely CG in this manner that like has like you, like you as a, audience member like following along with the main characters but it's completely without being an animated movie like is, is there a movie before this i don't know like that i don't know this like was sustained really sequence. impressive scott can you think of anything not offhand this was very much a look what we can do moment i mean you look at the the where they where star wars has come since phantom menace with that battle that was just kind of an afterthought because i'm sure like some like lord of the rings sequences come close to but like this is like none of this is real right (laughs) Right, Right, yeah most of this movie isn't real i mean this one looks almost uh actually they it looks better on the 4k disney plus stream but on the blu-ray it looks like a video game this movie i like uh, Blu-ray. i've never had much complaint about the episode three on the compared to the other two especially i think the it's affected we'll talk about this i guess i mean i think Lucas's handle on digital photography is upped here compared to Attack of the Clones, where it just it doesn't look like mud like it does in that movie. Yeah. And right from the start, the kinetic motion of the camera, the the inter the character interplay, it feels far more comfortable and casual and confident compared to the first three prequels. I mean, it's it's night and day to me. What do you think, Yancey? Because I know you're, you know, a big defender. I don't like saying defender because I don't defend any movie. I, I talk about the movie the way I like it. But what do you? Well, I know you're. You've been. You're very positive on these prequels even before this one was coming out. Like, where are you in terms of? Do you, do you see a significant difference in this movie, or do you do you just think it's going along with what he's been doing? With the, the year, with the years that have come out now, and seeing the prequels together enough times, it's been. It's fairly obvious that, look, I really do like the first two prequels quite a bit. But there's no doubt that, they, that Lucas is still a bit rusty coming out of that, however long. Hello? Two years. Not, not credited as not really being the director. It's a long time. You can feel it in those first two. In this one, however, I think right off the bat, he's back to being a brilliant filmmaker. Right down to the, and a brilliant storyteller, too, because year that the actual happened between two movies you know you know he, he again which he's done in the past and we sort of standard serial but in this all this character development that is so brilliant Lucas he introduces it with just 
these two ships flying in unison onto the sea of this battle. We fought a million battles to into, you know, that's such confident visual storytelling. And then these little things that cross. Yeah, this is certainly the first 20 minutes here is 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 a, a magnificent sequence, you know. This is great blockbuster filmmaking. Like, it really delivers yeah. on giving you the the most exciting Star Wars you could ask for in Star Wars. Um, it's huge and immersive, especially on the big yes. screen. Do you, do you think oh. it... Do you think it plays as responsive once again, Scott? Like I know you've talked about them before, where like the first, where Phantom Menace, that's a movie that's pure Lucas. Like that's everything that he wanted to do, he's doing it. And then we've talked about how Clones, it feels like there is more yeah. of a, a shift as far as he's still making the movie he wants to make, but he's keeping in mind the fact that there was certainly an outcry over what happened. Not that he didn't necessarily fundamentally change what he was going to do, but he certainly paid attention. Do you think there's well, more of that going on here? I think yes and no. I think. In some ways, this is him knowing that the rest of the movie is going to be very grim and depressing and, uh -huh. and, and sort of giving you this entire reel of, you know, good time escapism before the, sh or the, before the shit hits the fan. And dialogue heavy, um, too, for that matter. Yes. <laughs> and I think to a certain extent, implicitly or otherwise, this is him telling Lord of the Rings to get the hell off my lawn. Because yeah. this was the first film that was, you know, fully created after the Lord of the Rings trilogy had, had come and gone, or at least it started, mm -hmm. you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, episode one came out in 1999. And then you have episode two that comes out about six months after the Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter. And, you know, it, it is what it is. This film in 2005, you know, Lord of the Rings had ended a year and a half ago. Harry Potter was off doing its own thing. Even the Matrix series had sort of come and gone and, you know, planted their flag in the sand. This was to, I believe, especially this sequence, was basically saying, you know, again, this is Star Wars. We're here to take our flag back. The Matrix is a good well, one. Matrix, well, is here's, the, the yeah, Matrix answers yeah, my question as far as fully CG. Yeah. I mean, those battles and revolutions and yeah. fully CG yeah. sequences involving Smith and Neo. So that, there's an answer to my question. Anyway. Well, here's the thing, too. Like, when, when Phantom Menace came out, it was kind of kneecap, you know, the Matrix was like this, it was, Phantom Menace was supposed to be the big effects movie of 99, and then people were talking highly about the Matrix, and then uh, Attack of the Clones was supposed to be the big blockbuster that summer, and Spider-Man came out just before it to take it out. Uh, Revenge of the Sith got to be its own thing, there was nothing around it that really, it wasn't until uh, like, a month later, Batman Begins comes out, and was, but it wasn't like, Batman Begins wasn't like as humongous or anything and star wars had already come and you know done its thing well it's funny you say that like uh i was thinking about that too where yeah this movie is the biggest movie of the year as far as you know box office wise and it's star wars it's always an event right. at the same time even though it merely came in number 10 at the domestic box office king kong won the oscars it, it like star wars didn't even get nominated for best visual effects king right. kong, king kong won <laughs> like it, yeah it would it, it, it but i mean at the time it came out uh revenge of the no, yeah, I hear you. as far as like yeah, it wasn't the king it was, kong was the end of the year yeah, I, it wasn't crowded out by another movie at the multiplex at the same time yes i, I yeah I yes there here's a question longest yard tried but well yeah well, <laughs> madagascar and uh, uh, uh was wait no that's a that's oh, 05, right? Madagascar? Yeah, it's yeah, 05. Madagascar yeah, yeah. and Longest Yard came out like the week after this. It's like in the same day. Like, don't they both have like, like. Royal Dead, yes. Doesn't one of them have like biggest record for not being number one, but still opening on the same like day? Uh, maybe at the time at they the time, did. Yeah. Not All right. Well, and I also, back to your thing, Aaron, about your ask, Scott, like, 
I think Lucas was confident again because while people will look back and say whatever now, when Attack of the Clones came out, it was decently liked, and pretty much people said he was on the right track had better with that. And he might have, yeah. yeah, he might have awkwardly went in and made Attack of the Clones, but once he got the more positive reception from that, he probably felt more confident taking this whatever direction he wanted to. And just the kinetic movement in this sequence is so much better. That's not me, is it? No. Uh, the classic sirens in the commentary. <laughs> Love it. Um, the kinetic movement in this sequence, right off the bat, put me in a better place. This is stuff that we had seen many times before with them, you know, hacking and slashing George with lightsabers, but it felt more visceral and exciting and creative. Um, it wasn't nearly as as you know, feet on the ground as the first two the first two pictures. Um, and even as someone who kind of will defend the prequels, you know, watching this sequence was like, oh, maybe I was too nice on them because this is what I wanted, you know, six years ago. That shot of Anakin holding on to the elevator right there. I love that it was used in the trailer. Like it's it's made to be more sinister and foreboding yeah. in that shot than it is here where it's just part of like a whiz bang action sequence. Instead, in the trailer, you have like the, it's like getting into how dark it's going to get and whatnot. But here it's just like, yeah, it's just hanging out like window open door to open echo. <laughs> it's a cool shot. There's a lot of cool shots in this movie. I, I, I like the cinematography quite a bit, you know, and I, and I think part of it is this friendship between them as they're, you know, doing the action. That's basically what we were promised in the opening of star Wars all those years ago, that they were friends and they were relatively equal in arms and they were yeah. fighting in the Clone wars together. Here's an example yeah. of R2 being the chosen one, by the way. I've mentioned this multiple yes. times in these commentary tracks, but I, I truly believe R2 D2 is actually the chosen one. This got a huge round of applause on opening night. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. There, huge yeah. La- yeah. This it play- every it. time I saw this movie, I saw this movie like three or four times. It, it, it killed. It, everyone that complained about R2 having jetpacks in the second one was suddenly like, this is the best thing R2's ever done. Like, that was yeah. like the response that I saw. <laughs> yeah. And remember, yeah, guys, this was going to be the last Star Wars movie play. ever. Yeah. And this is the uh, mini boss of this particular level. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I, Here's the thing. Oh, yeah. This movie, I think, overall, fully succeeds in everything, but there is some clunk. It's not perfect. There, there's some oh, clunkiness we'll, we'll and stuff it. here and there, and I everything's Perfection there for it. Not res- expected from you. I... Right? No, no, no. I'm, I'm saying like I. While I want to say that while I, I think this is terrific. This movie's, I, I love this movie, but. I, I will admit, it, there are some faults that, you know, obviously people point out, but it's still, I think it still gets it right regardless overwhelmingly. Like, it's the structure's there for this thing to, uh, the Anakin's downfall to be everything that it's supposed to be. I, I think it's all well, there. I, I do there think... was a major paradigm shift that happened between this movie coming out and now. There's been a really, truly major paradigm shift in the way people... Uh, people view these things and this movie belongs to an older paradigm which says that big budget popcorn franchise movies are not expected to have upfront values that are as worthwhile as the sort of wondrous things you're seeing and and the spectacle just like biblical dramas there's there was expected to be a certain amount of stiffness in the in the front the very fact that you're saying that there are elements of this that aren't perfect. I'm like, well, no, of course it's not perfect. It's made for adolescents, so it's limited by that, I suppose. But when you're in the mood for a smart, 
inventive movie made for adolescents a couple times a year i think they sort of figure you probably should be as an adult we do it yeah. all the time now but a, a movie like a, these movies are wonderful because it's, it's a great filmmaker who is who is i think a great filmmaker who is focusing all of his efforts on making an adolescent science fiction picture so you've got a, a, a really you know rarefied level of uh craft and detail and sort of um immersiveness to to these movies and yeah, yeah. And I think since then, I now you get now you get movies that are less likely to ever have any obvious faults. Like you won't see a Marvel movie that's got a really stiff performance in it. This movie, you know, has performances that are not on the money because we accept that Lucas is just not the greatest director of actors. It doesn't even really seem to care. Well, he even it. has great that's actors that give uh, performances. Yeah, I mean, he even has great actors that give uh, performances in him. Because uh, that's not his focus. We have to. Lucas is a is a great filmmaker, but he has we have if you want to enjoy the fruits of his brilliance, you have to accept that that's just not where his focus is ever going to be. His focus is going to be on the story, the larger stuff. Oh yeah, there's, 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 yeah. No, there's no committee. The there's no committee here. There's no like the choice. He is being expects made, actors right, to the do choice, their job. The choices being made from a filmmaking perspective come from what he wants to do as far as where he wants to put the camera, how he wants exactly. to angle shots. So he here, he, here, he's, here, here, he sees exactly. all of those things. The Marvel movies, you're not wrong as far as you get the actors. That's why you have ca these casting directors that get these you know these very talented crews full of Oscar winners and thespians or what have you. At the same time, the way they're shot, it's so much. It's like let's have all the coverage we can so we can use all the alt and whatnot in case we can CG in another character later or put a costume on them differently or whatnot. So you have all this variety, and so you remove the directorial element as far as what's the big picture of these scenes. So you have a lot of, I mean, for the most part, some of them have more the artistic... Faults, the more, faults, more, of, more, the more faults of this movie are the faults of a movie made by one person. The strengths of this movie are the strengths of a movie made by one person. They really outweigh the faults, the, the benefits of a, of a movie like this made by one person's crazy, outsized vision. The the the, the fault, the flaws to me are not. It's just like yeah, yeah, whatever. It's not the Godfather. It is in fact a comic book. Uh, well, not literally, but it's it's an, it's it's a it's a it's a, you know it's not. I mean, for, it practically is in these early sequences. I mean, it's it's, it's yeah. a yeah. lot this of like. This is as dark could... as it ever got, and it still feels it still feels connected organically. To, an, to the earlier movies that someone who loves this might love, like The Day the Earth Stood Still. There's a connection in terms of, in terms of the, the, the sort of tone and, 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 and the history of it. And I think it's been severed to a certain degree since then. Yeah. And, and we don't have that richness of language where you can have so much going on. You're thinking about, I'm thinking about World War II movies when I'm watching this, because I know that that's what he's thinking about, or all the big World War II movies that have ever been made. Well, yeah, but we're, can watching, do it in look space. we're watching right now. We're watching, like, you know, ships sinking. <laughs> There's, right. it's, yeah. it's, just, it's like the Titanic going down. Yeah, it's <laughs> like this is, in truth be told, people come out and say, well, this is a terrible, awful movie. It's the worst movie I ever saw. The first 20 minutes of this movie are better than most movies in terms of if I paid $13 to see the first 20 minutes of this, I wouldn't feel gypped. I mean, I'd be weird to see a 20-minute movie, but it, it does indeed, as, as I think it was Scott saying earlier, it does sort of re-announce itself with a lot of confidence. And at the time, people really did like it. It, 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 it. Unfortunately, in the years for a while, it was then sort of lumped in as being hated as well, which was absurd to see happen. But when this came out, I felt like most people sort of, you know, this was the only one I really needed of the three. Well, this, we got it. this one, this one uh, was uh, at one time the... Uh, trophy holder of the best since Empire uh, title that mm -hmm. people like to give Star Wars. 
Yeah, Richard mm-hmm. Roper said yeah. it on Ebert yeah. and, and Roper. Yeah, yeah. that's a, that's a uh, famous yeah. uh, Star Wars thing. Like, best since Empire. They're best still since doing Empire. It. They're still doing it. They're still, still doing, doing it. They'll do it again. Um, I I think you're correct in terms of what we expected from our blockbusters. And honestly, I think to a certain extent, Lord of the Rings kind of changed that template. Um, especially yeah, when they came out. Films. Those are films that are that look and feel like prestige cost historical dramas they're also ridiculous adult films you're right yes you're right um, you're absolutely right it's amazing and that, that yeah, you, 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 one one would never expect that peter jackson would be the guy that did that like that's such yeah. <laughs> just, so just, like, no, yeah, yeah. line with lucas you know but like it, he it, is but it, like it, just it, looking at know, like his he, like you know his I, this line bugs me so his ratios we're smarter than this that's such a weird but um, but, but the, the idea that like the guy that made meet the feebles and then like did like one like drama bad taste yeah it, but it uh, did have had heavenly creatures thrown in there and he's like this is the guy that's going to change how movies work <laughs> so like and it's weird but <laughs> He knocked it up. well because the material they're working with is so adult and for sure but even him being and like signed so on even him signing on and being like yeah we'll give you you know several hundred million dollars to adapt this book series <laughs> and, and well, somehow he was well it, 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 it happens after the frighteners which was a huge disaster it was a huge bomb yeah well yeah. he was well liked uh by new line at the time like he was oh, involved sure. with that studio from the 80s on and they were I mean, he was attached to a lot of projects he never got to do, yeah. and well, they he's Peter just... Jackson. He's New Zealand. Like people love New yeah. Zealand people. They're really nice. There like, you, you know, he's a good guy in conversation. I get it. At the same yeah, time. I think he went out there with Fran Walsh and Philip Boyens and made a presentation that was pretty. Must have been pretty impressive. Yeah, it helps that they're know, just really like smart that... people. That's that's the other key part of this too. Like they know it's how to. It's really smart. I think that I I had not thought of that before, and I always thought there was was a book to be written about this transition i think scott is absolutely right and it hadn't occurred to me i think the lord of the rings movies are fantastic but it's true that was the kind of high you can't expect to often get from movies that are also escapist you know yeah. those, those are still escapist but they're pretty freaking heavy mm-hmm. right like they're pretty heavy and they wear on you like a real war movie to a certain extent a movie like this is still overall even though this one is very strum and drong and very very dark it's still a fun experience. It doesn't actually Do you, bring you down. Unless you how just is that don't a like distraction? It, you know? I'm, so, I'm watching the well, just watching the movie. Archie's yeah. just like, I'm just gonna go crazy, and everyone's like, I guess we're gonna react to this now. It's like, uh, <laughs> do, uh, how cool it's, is Darth Sidious? Too Darth, yeah. or not the, Darth the Grievous? Dar- yeah. well, General Gr- Grievous. Well, here's so here's cool. here's a question. We'll get back to this topic because it's a good topic. But well, here's my question. Yeah, see, you strike me as a person that likes Star Wars enough, but doesn't necessarily dip his toe into all the extra material. Did you watch the Jendi Tarkovsky? Um, Clone Wars before this movie. Those were so great. Did you watch those, it before? Those were great. <laughs> yes, I watched them. Okay. Those I, are the those are the single best uh, like Star Wars things I've ever non Lucas things I've ever seen. I, I like the regular series as well, but those the, oh yeah the, the animated ones that were on I haven't seen it in her. I remember a scene where Mace Windu takes down a whole. Like spaceship or yeah. something. Oh yeah, Windu and like Kit Fisto and Yoda all get like individual episodes where they're just like, "This those is how are... great Jedi's can be." Um, the one where Anakin terrific. faces off with Ventress is uh, yeah. There's some cool. Is... My favorite lightsaber fight. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's a good. And it like ends so where he's just like Why he's just pounding on it, screaming. It's really cool. But I ask because the Grievous in that one is so much darker than this one. Like this Grievous is like fine, and I like. And I like the Grievous the in the other cartoon is dark too. Like yeah. I don't know. But I but my my I question this because 
this guy could they introduced this character just coming in as like this robot he has a cool cape that's nice capes are cool space space capes are cool but he's all like wheezing and coughing it's like what now i as a person that watched them is like well i know because mace windu crushed his chest right before the movie star but what's a random what? audience member thinking when they're like why does the robot have a cough like have i ever well have i ever told you my well, thing about the the villains in the prequels huh well Okay, so you, first you get Darth Maul in the original, who's a dude who's like completely consumed by the dark side, even looks consumed by the dark side, like the darkest ever. Uh, the next one you introduce Count Dooku, um, who is a former Jedi Master turned to the dark side. And then this one you have General Grievous, who's a former alien or something being kept alive by a, a breathing apparatus system that's... Uh, the cadence of the audio, audio is recognizable, um, so he's half machine, half alien, and you put all three of them together, you have Anakin Skywalker by the end of this. Exactly. That's what Darth exactly. Vader is. It, it, right? That's true. In this, and in this scene, you, you basically have a character who's not really foregrounded. You don't really explain much about General Grievous. But right here, next to the hero here, next to Anakin, is this, this robot that suggests that, that there's a Darth Vader on the way. They're experimenting and his, with the his breathing, robot. His breathing is like... This recognizable to Darth Vader, like Vader without ripping off breathing. Darth Vader. Yeah, it's it's a different style of breathing to remind to recognize. That's certainly a long con game to play, I suppose. Like that's, that's not that's a, a long con game. The most famous thing about Darth Vader is the breathing. No, but so but, but, the, but the way but, hold on, on but the, the way Brandon the just explained guys. it. Hold on, the way Brandon just explained it, where there's like three separate villains that all have various connotations, various like elements that make up a Darth Vader, and then the third one is a robot that coughs. That's a that is a well, long con as far as like getting the audience to be like, oh, I subtly understand what you've done here. Well, let's be fair. That's one thing that no one ever on the Lucas. I don't think I can't think of a time previously in film history where you saw the first movie in a trilogy that was this expensive and this expensive. And you knew that he was going to make all three regardless of how popular it was. Yeah. Like, the movie bombed. He was still it was his project. He was going to make all three. And that was that. No more people really in this tower. Real quick, r- real quick. You're watching I, the, it's an important. Hold on, you're watching hold, the real quick. Hold on. Of, the this movie. This is the one movie that they didn't get to release in 3D in theaters. I was able to see it at Comic Con, and I stayed up to this scene because the one scene I wanted to see in 3D was where this giant spaceship came like, right at you. Came, comes right at the screen. It's like that's gonna be the 3D moment that I want to see, and it was awesome. <laughs> this scene right here, where the th- the entire cockpit just flies at the screen. It's like, yeah, that's cool. Like I wanted to see what that looked like. I have a question, like, so we're talking about, like, you know, Star Wars is a family-slash-children's movie. Do you think in the long gap between Return of the Jedi and The Phantom Menace, uh, due to the, the novels and comic books obviously not written targeted children, kind of falsely changed the perception that they were made for children? Uh... Because that's all people had to go on, and then I no, think it, it's the same generation. The problem is that it's the same generation. Growing that, that, up reading more adult stuff with Star Wars, yeah. thinking it's more for adults, and so when sure, this when it comes out and it's just for kids again, they're like, "What?" Well, because they were quarter, they were courting the people who were still pining for Star Wars to see if there was a market for it. Lucas started planning these. It makes every bit of sense that Lucas is going to make three more movies that are for children, that are for kids. Because he's not courting that same audience. He's courting the audience 25 years down the road. Now right. can see all six movies. It doesn't really... They're all totally the same. They're all made for the same 14-year-old kid, right? So, but at the same time, you have people who are 35 and 40, 30, 35, 25, who love the original movies, but now they want to see Star Wars that is tracked along with them and that is addressing how they feel about their lives now. They want to see something that is 
they want it, they, they don't want it to be for kids. They want it to still be for them. Mm-hmm. And yes. that's just not how it works. You know? Well, and now they're old enough to recognize the politics they think offends them. That was always there. It's like, oh, no, you just <laughs> you just recognize it now. It just looks familiar to you now. You just were too young to to see he that. He pushes hard. Okay. He pushes hard in this one. A, a anti-Bush feeling at the time. He yeah. rides. Nobody got it. In the second one. Which one? Uh, I said nobody got it in the second one. They complained that he wasn't subtle enough in the third one. Um. All of these films, especially two and three, were very much reactions to, you know, theoretically, Bush being the new Nixon. Yeah, uh, for sure. And I just want to point out we have a real cavalcade of stars here. We got Hayden Christensen, <laughs> Anthony Daniels, Kenny Baker, and Smitty himself, Jimmy Smith's here as Bail Organa. Portman's in the background. Ian McDermott's somewhere up front being like, I Bail Organa has his own trilogy now. Yeah, he does. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's one thing I I was excited about Jimmy Schmitz being in this. I was excited to see Bill Organa in this, and I think I probably overhyped myself on the usage. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's it's interesting that there was some meaty stuff cut from this movie, which was the formation of the Rebel Alliance between Padme, uh, Mon Mothma, uh, Bail Organa, and another bloke. Uh, but there were interesting scenes. Important scenes, I would think. And when I got this on DVD the first time, I'm like, why are these not in the movie? That's important. Like, it's it's integral to what's coming next. But yeah, it's just it was really weird that of cuts made those those went. I'm still baffled to this. I get you know what? you can cut Padme's family from the last one. It's fine. It's the same movie. But the Rebel Alliance stuff was maybe is that too fan wanky interesting or does it? I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's just the, the movie's same, two it's hours. The same, it's, the same, it's, it's, a, it's two hours it's and twenty a, minutes, and yeah. Star Wars comes next. Like you know, what's going to happen. I mean, I, I, I get guess. what you're asking. It's just it, look, you're talking about weird. an art, a popular artist who is now most famous for altering this, the moral implications of of that scene in the first movie where Han Solo shoots Greedo. That right. that's the theme. So obviously, people joke about it and wank and you know all the time and take and take him less seriously for it. But what it really shows is someone who's really concerned about how the things he makes for young people come off. He doesn't want people getting too hung up on the idea of Han Solo being a ruthless badass because his movie really isn't a surgically only Western. He's just sort of borrowing that a little bit. So this is a guy who's really concerned. This series of this prequel trilogy is very reflect, reflective, reflexive. What's the word? He, these, this, this series reflects how he feels about making the first three and the fact that even though Lucas is a pretty strongly anti-Vietnam War guy, he still made a the first three movies are still fun war movies to a certain extent. You can feel that reflected in a way. So he's a very, I think Lucas is a really seriously moral guy who worries a lot about this stuff. Scott, do you I, have more to say about the politics? We kind of cut you off. Yeah. Oh, well, no, I mean, they pretty much speak for themselves. Uh, I would say that one big difference in this film is that Anakin look, Anakin Christensen looks more dynamic yeah, yeah. Is, is costume, and physically, I think he gives a very good performance in this film. You know, his dialogue readings, meh, give and take. But I think in terms of physicality and his facial reactions, you almost start to see, oh, okay, that's why Lucas cast him. Yeah, um, I agree. True. And I love the scene that we we just passed it where she tells him that he's she's pregnant, and in that situation, his stiff line readings are absolutely appropriate. Which is what was, which is what Lucas was thinking when he cast him. It, 
yeah, when you're, but when 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 Brandon, when you're asking about why those scenes aren't were never included in the scenes that were cut, it's because you're again you're dealing with a single filmmaker who's got eccentric reasons for wanting and not wanting certain things available. Mm-hmm. He's got eccentric reasons for wanting to change the things. He's not doing it to be an asshole. He's not doing it to piss off the fans, as it seems. He's just got a strong conscience, I think. Yeah. Um, so for whatever reason, he doesn't want those. Or as an artist, he doesn't want those scenes out there. He must feel like he failed them in some level. The now, look, only reason I miss those scenes is because it gives Padme more to do. Yeah, because yeah. she's she she suffers the most as far as characters yeah, she's go in this film. Yeah, pregnant the entire movie. And just like, uh, the the, the, the way the what the, the what she has to say to everybody is yeah. just not. You know, it's standard, right, you're, the I'm life sure you're stuff. Right. Like, I'm sure you're right. I'm sure that's true. I'm sure those scenes should be in the movie, but that's just one of the downsides of having someone who's really in charge is that they're going to make choices that aren't just there to please the fans. They're going to make eccentric choices like leaving these things out and leaving them unavailable or whatever. Well, Lucas why. is a pace guy, so I, I imagine every choice was made for pacing of the movie. <laughs> oh, for sure. I mean, again, it gets... Long it, movie. It's... It's yeah. a movie where he, you know, you have to think about, well, we know what's coming next already, so what? that's an interesting position to be in. What can we put in that really makes the most sense to make a pulp adventure that happens to be a darker turn because of the way the story has to turn about and what feels that's essential? Another thing about, that's another thing about the way proving that the paradigms have changed is that this is a trilogy of movies that's saying, okay, you know what's going to happen. We, we already told you what's going to happen. There's going to be a big fight. Unfortunately, I said there was a fight in lava. Now i got to do a big lava fight. But, like, this the Obi Wan's gonna fight Hayden Christensen, and Hayden Christensen's gonna get jacked up and become Darth Vader. Where'd you say there's a lava fight? It was in the uh, novelization of decide. Return of the Jedi. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. What was that dialogue so, like? Obi, <laughs> it was Obi Wan talking I, to I Luke. I fought your father uh, in, in the lava. That's weird. Yeah. I, we're ever gonna have to actually make this happen. It was a volcanic planet. I think that's all he mentions. Camille Paglia says that's the greatest work of art of the last fifty years. That last twenty minutes of this movie. Um, I think that's one of the reasons why his storytelling is more confident is because he knows exactly the story that he wants to tell in this movie. And, you know, I don't know how much this is true, but the old saying was always that basically 70 percent of his story ideas for the prequels was basically this film. And that a lot of the first two were padding. I was I want to point out that that dream sequence was a big deal when this came out. It was something really different from for Star Wars. Yes. Like that was, um, it was a, the storytelling had never gone like metaphysical or in, in any way like that before with like just seeing a dream or a flashback or something like that. I mean, it's, it's the, I mean, it's, we, people complain about like, oh, Leia has the force. They're like every Star Wars movie introduces something new about the force. I'm just saying like, we look at it like it's nothing now, but like at the time this came out, that was a weird that was a thing that they, they had warned about in the press. Like, there's a dream sequence in this movie. No, I hear you. I'm saying you know, that, like, like, that's, that's like that's basically the, the big thing that's added as far as the Force goes. That Star Wars, how had Star Wars fans become so conservative by that point already that there was a sort of... That Star Wars fans are pretty damn conservative about their Star Wars. They don't want to be surprised they don't know they want they want twists they want turns they want but and they want quote-unquote surprises but they want to have guessed it because they've seen star wars and they want it name sure, checked sure. stuff like that no, they're no. okay with this movie having a dark ending going to hell and 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 because while it's surprising in the narrative they already know what the next three they know what happens to anakin skywalker so they're comfortable with it Fans go back. Empire is now the favorite one because Jedi has been there so long that they have the comfort of subconsciously knowing that follows. 
right now there's the last Jedi, which turned many people off because guess what? There's a lot of uncertainty at the end of the movie and it drives them nuts. That's one reason I'm sure besides the, I don't want to talk about them reasons, but, <laughs> but there's a lot of, Look out, things, there's a lot of darkness promoted within star Wars with the comfort of knowing what's already next. But yes. Was fandom ever meant to have the power to change what it got from the, the filmmakers? That, that, that really yeah. is the paradigm. Fandom said, we want it to be this way. And if you make it a different, like for me, when these movies are coming out, any moment of stiffness or any flat scenes, I just, it's, not, it's Lucas, it's George Lucas. He's a, great i'm so glad to have him back it's fine that the next scene is great so i don't care about that scene that was flat and the cumulative effect of the movies was always positive but i think at some point the audience turned against him personally and disliked lucas personally and then it becomes a game of pointing out all the things that don't work and obsessing about the things that don't work or that they would have done differently which is a real break with the way we used to feel about storytellers i think with too much voice for the fandom the storyteller has to abandon the wheel like Lucas did by selling the, selling the franchise off. And I think the new ones do feel like a rudderless series of movies. We'll get back to fandom and whatnot because that's going to be a recurring topic in here, I'm sure. But um, what was I just going to say? Do you think Lucas – does Lucas ascribe to the whole, like, I make these movies so you can play them without dialogue and still understand how they work? He's yeah, very visual. So. So He's I a think very visual he can, director, yeah. for sure. Because mm -hmm. yeah, I was thinking about that as far as that compared to something like uh, Fury Road, which is obviously George Miller's very much said that you can watch this, that movie on silence and still get exactly what's supposed to go on in there. And uh, most movies should play like sure. that. It's a you visual medium. Still... Well, certainly, I mean, movies that are you know, promoting this, you know, like my dinner with Andre, obviously is not going to work that direction, but I mean, no. something like, you know, <laughs> you know, th something with this kind of it's spectacle, still, so, so this or Sky Cap in the World tomorrow, like any number of things like that. There's a there's a lineage that goes back to silent film that says there's honor in telling your story with images. That lineage has been sliced since this movie was made. No one cares about that anymore. But at, at this point, it was still if you can tell it. That's why it doesn't matter if the performances are stiff because you're telling the picture with images. It's not the same as pretty pictures. It's this guy Lucas is telling us this story with these striking images he makes. Just watch that. Don't worry about the stiff line reading. I mean, even look at Obi the way he lights Obi Wan and Anakin in the scene, where Anakin's got a lot more shade on his face when they're talking, and I mean, it's just it's there. Oh yeah, there's, there's, there's like a, a lot dark of very I mean, look at the the front the front half. Of this movie has much more brights and much more lighter fare than the second half, where the the visual visual brightness is lowered you you see a lot it's yeah. you know puts a heavy emphasis on like look at these shots right here where we're in daytime a lot most of the the, the second half of this movie said at the sun, at sunset or dusk or nighttime or on you know planets that don't have any lighting there's very deliberate choices made throughout this movie as far as getting you to understand things about having to hear them be told to you by somebody and there's these remember there's talk like mcdermott for oscar i remember that <laughs> there's like oh man in that by the time July hit, no one was talking about that anymore. But there was like the buzz from the early reviews of this movie was that man he could be he could be up for an Oscar. It's mainly because the best scene in this movie that's not based on lightsaber battles is that opera sequence, which is very yes. fantastically acted. I mean, that's what it comes down to. <laughs> Before mean, he goes now, because yeah, because yeah, because everything around the performance is him being like, hmm, I wonder if you've it, heard about the dark side before, ham sandwich, please. Like it's not, it's not. Because yeah. he's kind of he's pretty campy. Um, not much, I mean, even though, when he's just sitting watching Dooku get his ass handed to him, 
he's like, yeah, whatever, come on. Like he's, which is odd because he's like, you know, not on his side. But regardless, there's a lot of choices he's making that very much express how how acting, how much acting he's doing in this movie. Mm-hmm. Again, campiness is allowed from actors who are overqualified for these movies. Right. That's expected since the days of Charles Lawton. Like, you're allowed if, if you can be, if you can be, uh, it's hard if you can be hammy in the right way. And a lot of the performances, Christopher Lee is the same thing. Pierre Cushing was the same thing. That kind of actor takes to these movies like a duck to water. The sort of classically trained actor who shouldn't be having to say this kind of silly stuff. Well, I, I, I think Christopher is. Lee's given a lot of silly dialogue in these movies, but it, because it's Christopher Lee, he pulls yeah. it off. At like, the same time, though, I do think he's better in this movie in the short time he has than the last movie. I think he actually gives a better performance. Right. Um, you know who's good in this movie that we don't talk? I mean, I, we'll talk about Ewan McGregor because he's like an MVP for this fucking franchise. But I mean, the yeah. I think Sam Jackson's actually very good in this movie. I, I think, oh, yeah. I think what he this has... One, yes. He he has a lot more to do, obviously, but I do think the, the he plays a lot of layers as far as how he communicates with the various members of the Jedi Council, and I think he does that pretty well. And I really love what I noticed conveying in this movie with Anakin uh, that really stood out to me the last time I I, you know, I just watched it a couple of days before this, but he's walking. There's a lot of him walking back and forth around these buildings, not being allowed to leave. Uh, uh, between between different people, telling him different things like I'm your friend, but listen to this, and it's it's pretty nerve wracking on him. Like he's restrained, he's got push and pull, not knowing who to trust, and it's it really makes I mean it really makes it hits home really good. But I just noticed like there's a lot of scenes of just walking across halls back and forth. There's a, there's a real tension go. built up by the amount of time that he's. The fact that he's not with Natalie Portman, it, we, we want him to be with Natalie Portman, and there's a lot of tension built up in the first third of this movie mm-hmm. over the fact that they're being kept apart. And it's typified by a scene, I don't know if we missed it already, where they look at each other from different buildings yes. across Coruscant. It's a very striking moment. Well, it's from the point of no return sequence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, it's later, that's right. And hey, we'll get, I'll, I'll get into it when that sequence comes, but... Related to Sam Jackson, what I find interesting about his performance is he's almost antagonistic in this picture. And yeah. there are major points where, and you know, I, I if I let me just skip ahead, what blew my mind when I first saw this was that the moment when Anakin turns, he is morally in the right. Yeah, yeah. no, the, Anakin's told, just, like the Jedi are. Yeah. Here's the biggest thing: everything Palpatine does is clearly right but anakin finds out he's the ultimate evil and it's just like he can't you know you know palpatine's going about things the right way but for like the wrong motive and the wrong backing while the jedis are the good guys but they're telling him to do stuff he shouldn't be doing yeah and and they end of the day they're about you know the turn comes when they're about to execute a prisoner. You're yeah. saying Palpatine, they, not not Darth Sidious, I suppose. I yeah, they have overstepped. Yes. the right way. Okay. They they have they have over the Jedi have overstepped their bounds as much as they're telling Anakin that Palpatine has overstepped his. There, oh. it, that speaks to the complexity of I think the actual story being told because it is an yeah. extreme situation where you have you know he's not necessarily tyrannical but he certainly 
you know, he's assumed the role of a dictator, essentially, and he's doing mm-hmm. things that are beyond their control. They don't know what's going on because ego, essentially. And so it's it's put them in this very tricky position of, well, what's the greater good? How do we read this? And Jedi, you know, we haven't been at war. Like, that's not a thing we do. So, like, how, how do you wrestle with this situation? I think there's a lot more dynamic going on here than you know the movie gets credit for in a lot of ways that's another oh, yeah. no it, it, no well it's here is, is, is it's, a question that he, the new lesson that he wanted to, you know as the storyteller he wants to impart this new lesson in this movie which is even the most venerated bodies need to you have to be careful because they can be wrong and for this series we thought of the jedi as these as these peerless um defenders of the right of justice we didn't really think of him as a senate sitting around i guess we sort of did but we didn't think of it as this sort of fallible body who fall for this dirty trick and i think certain people don't like that because it adds complexity to the way we feel about the jedi and the jedi order but i think it's very compelling yeah it's very much demystifies the original trilogy it demystifies the concept of the jedis as we were told in the first three films which again is is not to get into the last Jedi, but like it sort of again it sort of like blows my mind that the reaction to that film is like you saw the prequels, right? And yeah, you're exactly. Just, <laughs> Luke is so disillusioned. Did you see the prequels? <laughs> I mean, he basically comes out and says, "Yes, those icky feelings you had watching the prequels were intentional." It, uh, it it seems pretty clear that when Jedi's get old, they don't seem to have the best of lives. So it never it yeah. shouldn't be surprising. <laughs> But I mean, they're cranky hermit hermits. Like that seems to be the kind of mo for a Jedi when you get older. So it's like that's this, fandom that's the... testing its power. That's fandom testing its power on the franchise and warping it. Hopefully, not too badly in a way that they will be farther down the line. Sorry for. I mean, talk about the, the end of innocence in terms of fandom of this kind of movie in our culture. The the reaction to the Last Jedi really felt like a a certain sense of how strong are we in our ability to change what happens in this, because we really want it to be what we want it to be. We don't want it to be anything we haven't already predicted, as someone said earlier, which is... Mm-hmm. Yeah, keep on. Interesting. This is an interesting, you know, there's so many interesting developments that have happened between the three Star Wars trilogy being made and the way the audience has changed, largely because of the Star Wars movies in the first place, which is weird, but... Is Lucas's well, kid in one of these scenes? Is that like I think like, uh, Lucas himself is in it. Lucas, Lucas is, is in it. One. This okay. is yeah. This is he's in this scene. Yeah. Who else wants to see this? Is like this is like Fifth Element to me. He's like, I want to see that opera. Yeah, <laughs> that opera's yeah. so cool. <laughs> I wonder what's going on here. Well, I love there's there's some weird stuff in this score that uh, Williams never does again. That I oh yeah, no, this, this I the, love the Revenge of the Sith score is pretty fantastic. <laughs> I mean, he. I think he killed it with all the prequel scores. Like honestly, like it's. I mean, he doesn't have a bad score in the Star Wars universe. Like, right. All, but like, I, yeah, I think one... the Force Awakens is kind of home ho hum score. It's, it's familiar, uh, but I do like Ray's theme. I think Ray's just... theme's great. That's the one um, thing that comes out of that one. But but no, I I agree. Yeah, this movie specifically. Yeah, it has some weird things that. I mean, they emphasize the darkness and they mm-hmm. provide a level of menace and foreboding again. Like it's there. Well, and I remember going to the Phantom Menace like the score and stuff was kind of odd to me at first because I was like wanting to hear those familiar themes over and over again. Like, Oh, I'm going to see star Wars. So I'm used to these themes. And it wasn't what it wasn't what I, uh, wanted, but it was exactly what I needed because now I look back, I'm like, Oh, it does sound like star Wars. What was I thinking? Just opening it up to a new stuff and duel the fates was amazing. 
Um, the Will of Fates is the best single piece, I think. Can we talk about why the Jedi should not be surprised that Anakin turns to the dark side because he's the only one that wears the black cloak? <laughs> <laughs> Which else is like yes. Everyone well, else it, is wearing like Coles brand browns and whatnot. He's like, yeah, I went to Hot Topic and I got the black cloak, guys. I I believe Lucas said at some point like Anakin wears that black coat cloak and he's hoping that when you get to Return of the Jedi and you see Luke wearing dark clothing too, you're supposed to have a bit of concern. I'd be very. I, I want to hear from like the you know the, the youth that saw these movies first and grew up and then eventually watched the original trilogy and like like only knew it in that order and like actually had these surprises legit revealed to them. I'd, I'd like to know what that perspective is like. Mm-hmm. Oh, I would think most people saw that original trilogy as soon as they could after they started watching the prequels. Yeah, in but those I mean, years in between. There, there, but there will be if it's not already, and there I'm sure it exists. But there will be an audience that eventually just watches these watches these movies in chronological order outside of release date and just like has yeah. the experience of seeing the ant the skywalker saga and how it plays out and being surprised by the various twists and turns to whatever level i'm jealous to, to be able to i'd like to be able to see it it's, it's interesting to watch it in the release order too but as a, as a as a, as a watcher i'm jealous of the people who get to start with the first one and go right through it'll ne- yeah it'll never work for you in that way like yeah, it'll just never yeah, ever work for who you knows? in that way so we get like a few i'll never know what on. that's like but yeah I will say it's funny that Anakin, he is not a guy who can do things on his own or is confident enough to do on his own, which I've really found out because, like, you know, he has a hard time separating from his mother. Um, He needs, you know, Palpatine's confidence. He needs. Well, if you'll notice at the end of this, he offers Padme like, hey, come with me. Let's rule together. She turns him down. He can't do it. And then later in Empire, he's offering Luke, "Hey, come with me. Let's rule. We can do this True. together." Yeah. And like that's and he never like he's looking for someone to do it with him. He can never have the confidence to do it on his own. Which when you get to Kylo Ren, it's like, oh crap, this guy does do it. Has he knows he has the power. He does do it on his own. Now he's supreme leader, uh, Kylo Ren, which is where he takes a step beyond Darth Vader, which is. Maybe one of the things that the new, point. the reason the new sequel trilogy exists, that's something that can show to progress. Well, that's, there. That's true. It's, it's a good point. It's, it's why by point, it's right. why Kylo Ren by far is the most interesting new character in the, mm-hmm. the, for sure. in the for sequel sure. trilogy. For sure. The, it's that, we, we talked over this slow pan in. That's the Oscar scene right there, where he, when he starts talking about how to create life and the camera slowly zooms on his face. It's it's very mm-hmm. good. Like this this whole scene uh, really works as far as you know taking away everything else for a minute just to be like let's get into things let's get into like me playing psychological mind games with you and i always love that oh, you have not played in the wild <laughs> did it you like, did, it feels like his nose grows bigger in this scene too did you when you saw this did you go okay he must have been the apprentice that killed darth plagius or did you think it was just an old tale because now it's like when they went to do like expanded universe for him and that stuff, I guess he was the one that killed him. My takeaway is always that's what the scene is implying. And the I... life and the life that Plagueis created with the Force was Anakin. Apparently, that was that that's, was that's my read on it that's, now. My that's... my ta- my takeaway when he says that is that he was the apprentice. But I was all but I I wasn't like too I wasn't thinking too hard about the yeah. so did he is he the dad of Anakin? I think so. We like, still don't know where Anakin came from. We still don't know uh and you know he may just be this sui generis force being who was engineered by 
you know, Darth Plagueis or whatever. Yeah. That, you know, that may be the um, situation. Yeah, I don't the, know. By introducing the fact that the Empire Emperor is going to be back in Rise of Skywalker, my assumption is that it's going to clear that thread up. Like, that's... I feel like that's... If there's a reason to bring him back, it's because it needs to deal with that in some way. I feel like that's going to be a part of it. It's also an element of all six earlier movies that everyone yeah. agrees is good. Everyone likes Dan McDermott. No one's going to be sorry to see him back. So that it's all, and it's a way to make it seem, I think, more like now we're getting to the end of this nine-story movie. Uh-huh. Where I, unfortunately, I'm still not convinced. The end of the story still feels like Return of the Jedi to me. This feels like a, a three-movie remake of Return of the Jedi, kind of. Well, it, it feels it, it more of an epilogue trilogy <laughs> than it is the final yes, exactly. trilogy of yeah, trilogies, exactly. you know? They, they manufactured a finale hook by making more movies after the finale. Yeah, as much as I, you know, like yeah, these movies sure. more than you guys do, than Yancey and Scott do, and even then, regardless, it, it like, I, I wasn't, like, excited for episode seven because it's specifically a sequel to return of the jedi i was just like oh more star wars cool like that's always been the right kind of right right more it. star wars i get the old gang back for a movie yeah kind it's of. all it's been it's never like every time i see like well we should have gotten the scene of luke and han and Clea all together again it's like well i never really my emotional like thoughts on continuing this saga has never really rested on the idea that it's going to continue the saga that left off of return of the jedi it's just been more of like all right yeah Cool. They're, they're, well, here's the thing that <laughs> that fandom doesn't understand. Here's the thing: the new trilogy is not Luke Han and Leia's trilogy. Uh-huh. Like that's the one thing they just don't understand. Those it's not this tale of them. They're they are a part of the surrounding bit of the story as ever much as the A New Hope, uh, Empire, and Return of the Jedi is not Obi Wan, Anakin, and Yoda's right, story exactly. anymore. Good they point. were from the previous one. They, people don't. Ex- it's weird that they can't see but that. They that... haven't established that that new story is interesting enough to be told. If we take away Han Solo and Luke and Leia from the first two of the sequel trilogy, you really have to me a, a story that you have justified why it's being told. Poe and Ray and Finn do not, to me, have the inherent drama or charm of any of these existing characters. I don't know why the story is important. If it's a new wing of the story that you're trying to say, well, it was actually three, three, three trilogies. And this is the third trilogy. And this is the last one of the, of the nine movies. You've got to really sell me on some character. By the end of the second movie, I should be, I'm, I'm still most interested in the old characters. I still don't really care about any of the new characters yet. I just, not because I'm older than them. Just, just to stop for just to stop for a second. That's the last scene of Obi Wan and Anakin being nice with each other. Yep. And it's, it's heartbreaking. You just and it's funny. You know this. Like you don't yeah. even if you haven't seen the movie, you felt it there because there could have been another. Like we didn't know how this was gonna. We knew they were gonna fight by the end of it, but you just kind of just it's. You're pretty certain, but you're not at the same time. It's like it, it's good filmmaking, really. Look at Tamora yeah, Morrison making yeah. all this money right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who was that? And like poor Captain Typho, man. He was supposed to be the uh, him and Tamora were supposed to be, you know, bros through this New Zealand filmmaking stuff, and then they didn't. Because Captain Typho gets a voiceover in this, a little eighty yeah. yard line, but but Tamora Morrison, he's all over the place. He's yeah. Thing. Aquaman's pops. Everybody's <laughs> the scene where he has hair was like he's bald now. That's not real. That's the thought I constantly had with him in that movie. That's an example right there. What we just saw, I think, is a good 
people are the kind of thing that they haven't been able to do uh, much. The music here companies. just, oh. He puts down his yeah, Game Boy yeah. Advance. And... <laughs> <laughs> just the, the unsettling music that Williams had. It's just, oh. It's great. It's so It's great. Oh, no, they must shop together. They both got black on. Right. It's weird for Naboo. That seems like an earthy place, but Coruscant <laughs> changes a person, I guess. It's so funny that the art, the big villain of the entire Star Wars saga, came from Naboo, where Jar Jar came from. True, <laughs> it's true. R two D two is from there. Everything started on Naboo. I, I, and what the one thing I have to get the man the world building he did oh, here yeah, is like except like I almost want to see yeah, just the one off stories come from around this era then start because every time they do like a you kind of get what you expect from the original trilogy like kind of spin offy things right it, it feels it feels a little more limited but like here like it feels endless oh yeah no yeah, I, I don't think Clone that, Wars that, that char, you, some, you sometimes hear that char, hear that charge that the movies are overly busy and for me that doesn't hold up when you if you can actually look at what's going on everything is there for a pretty good reason basically if you were framing that in new york city there would be new york city stuff going by and he just wants to maintain the illusion that there's a whole world out there and he does yeah. it by filling it with stuff yeah. That justifies it, and especially at this point, he knows you're going to watch this movie ten times because you watch the old ones ten times. So he really fills it with a real richness to, to, to all mm-hmm. this stuff that I think is it's it's sort of been ignored a lot in favor of focusing on the things that don't work, which is a strange turn of events. I wouldn't have predicted it would have gone that way. Yeah. Pal, this place has always been my favorite of these planets in this prequel trilogy. Yeah. I, I think this is fascinating. Just this this planet that's like a bunch of giant craters, and that's where the society is. And, and these guys rule. Earthy. You have all you have a lot of you got Bruce Spence. You got a lot of crazy creatures and whatnot here. Like all of this stuff, and the the sounds is really cool in Utapal. Like the sound that that lizard dragon thing makes that yeah. everyone's going to ride on. It's like, weird. Oh, it's just the the architecture, like it, it's foreign to Star Wars, which makes it really interesting when they, when that thing shows up because there's never been anything that sounds like that or remotely close. Which a yeah. lot of now today they wouldn't make a creature like that because it sounds too different. They did they they go back to what what is Star Wars rather than what inspired Star Wars. Which I actually Ryan Johnson went back to what inspired Star Wars for his pulling on what makes Star he Wars. J.J. Abrams just went from what is Star Wars and, and stopped at Macquarie drawings for things. And, I agree completely with the last hundred words you said completely. Yeah. Um, but every word of what you just said is right. And, and to give it credit <laughs> and to give it credit, there was some of that with solo too. that, that what inspired Star Wars kind of stuff in some of that filmmaking more so than what let's just copy Star Wars. There was some of that around Howard because you got guys who have tendrils that go back past the original Star Wars. So they understand the brew from which Star Wars emerged. Yes. They have it in their DNA yeah. too. So that's I really why hope my third to... watch of that movie just like finally clicks for me as far as like accepting it more so than I have so far. It's, it's not it's great, but it's it's, oh, it's, it's I, a it's solid, solid. three star picture. Yeah, exactly. So long. Um, yeah. the, the sort of much as... world expanding and building is not so great, but it does capture the feel of Star Wars. I think, and than some of the other more recent ones. I didn't care for the first episode at all. But to the extent that it's growing on me, the Mandal- Mandalorian is doing the same thing. Where it's okay, because Filoni knows what he's of, doing in that. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> much Filoni, more of an yeah, absolutely right. That, yeah, Filoni's the only disciple of Lucas, I think, who can really do Lucas right. Because well, Lucas likes him. Lucas is a guy that actually talks to Filoni about these things. Like that's oh, well, I can they, tell they, that. They, look, <laughs> as far as I know, everyone has talked to Lucas, but most no, but like, don't know how to it's... do it. 
Yeah, it, well, it, he knows it seems, how to do it in his bow in his bones. It, it seems like he's an he's like his actual Padawan, and the rest are just like guys he knows exactly. and talks to. Like it seems like Filoni's actually like taking in like the stuff and learning from it. And apparently, Freddie exactly. Prince Jr. is exactly. his Padawan exactly. in there. Exactly. I'm sure that I'm sure that Dave Filoni has seen Errol Flynn in the Seahawk. I'm not 100 percent sure that J.J. Abrams has ever seen the Seahawk. And I yeah. think you need to see the Seahawk to make a Star Wars movie. I, I'm not going to doubt the <laughs> the filmmaking, the film knowledge that J.J. Abrams has. I just think he he's just not equipped to do it as well. That's that's frankly what it is. <laughs> In his own defense, he didn't want to do it. I, I you know, I, I he didn't want to do it, and it it was sold at the time as look, he's going to reinvent it the way Star Trek he did. And he did. He reinvented Star Trek in in, in a way that for me was more. A little looser, more like Star Star Wars. Okay. Star Wars didn't need to be reinvented. Let's talk about Obi. Let's talk about Ewan McGregor for a little bit because this scene is all awesome. He like... says his, <laughs> his first line from Star Wars in this. Hello there. Yeah, it's everything he does in this movie. I think is very good. Like Ewan McGregor, he's he's prog- he's become a better actor over the years just by default because that's what mm-hmm. happens. But I think he really like shines and like he's fine in the other ones too. You know, you yeah. guys like his detective stuff a little bit more than I do. I think it's kind of like whatever. <laughs> this movie, I think he's. He really feels like he has the authority of Alec Guinness. Like he's really, it feels like he's bringing that this time around. He's really like yeah. in that halfway point of being his own actor as well as one that's channeling yeah. an iconic performance. Yeah. And it all and shows in both. Alec it shows Guinness. it shows in both the dramatic side and in just these fun bits here, where he's just like, it's not even about if he can beat Grievous or not. He's fucking with them, and it's fun. It's fun to watch that. Well, he's the Han Solo of this trilogy, and not. I mean, that's the kind of the kind of type he's filling. Not not that he's exactly like Han Solo, but he's a little bit more loose that's than so the other cool. characters going. Yeah, this, yeah, I was all waiting for this because I'm like, I know he has four arms. Four I want to see those four arms. <laughs> Let me tell you about screen showmanship. The way Lucas takes the idea of the lightsaber from the first one in Phantom Menace, where Qui Gon pu- pushes it into that steel door. To the yeah. Door. All the way to this movie, he never stops topping himself in really cool ways to use the lightsaber. Even in Attack of the Clones, I love it because in the dark. What'd you say? Yeah, the shot, like the the way he uses lighting in Attack of the Clones. Yeah. When he's just, got oh, the curved, oh, he's got, got the curved handle too on the. Yeah, yeah, it's just the light of the two of the lightsabers lighting up Hayden Christensen and Christopher Lee's faces yeah. for a second. So it's impressive. I don't, I don't know why people aren't more cognizant of, of the of the value of that it's odd to me that yeah. it moved so much um i will say that first of all aaron i agree with you the I, you know arguably the only reason anyone really cares about you mcgregor as obi-wan 20 years later is because of this movie yeah you know um that's why he's getting a tv show that's why that's where all the you know the memes come from yada 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 his work in this film and again i think it's it's whether it was you know i know i know Lucas isn't terribly well-respected as a director of actors, but something went right because everyone in this movie is better than they were in the last one. Yeah, um, yeah true, true. And the other he's thing is, is he's, 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 he's loosening up over the course of the three movies. I love this tight shot on Grievous' eyes. Like, yeah. it, this is the yeah. most Leone the movie gets right here. <laughs> like, well, there's a lot a creator. of he doesn't genuinely clever camera work that you don't see in the first two. Uh-huh. Toy, toy advertisement. There we yeah. go. Oh, yeah, um, yeah but it's Ballship. a cool toy advertisement. If you have yeah. a cool toy to show me, th- yeah, and speak- that's the thing. That's the thing that Lucas is so good at that no one else. And I was, I was, I was explain before that there was that other scene where the sort of smaller ship docked with that ring and then was able to go into hyperspace. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the early hyperspace. Yeah, I love that stuff. That's such a cool. That's such a cool Lucasy gearhead kind of idea and. 
I don't think anyone else can do that in that particular way like he can. Well, he was smart enough that where I don't think 90% of other filmmakers would be with the prequels where he was like, whoa, 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 look at, look at cars. Look at how they came. Like, I'm not going to give you like TIE fighters and X-Wings because those aren't going to exist the way you think they are yet. Exactly. You know, and I don't think another filmmaker would have been that smart. I think another filmmaker would have had TIE fighters and X-Wings in this. I like how many J.J. Abrams did, did in fact rely on. Yeah, J.J. went with. Oh well, it's it's got a it's got an orange panel now. I I, people will not. I just want. I hope at some point people. The general idea will be that whether you love them or don't love them, Lucas delivered these movies. He tried his hardest to really deliver three more that people would love. I I love them, and like this. Not this is not a cynical cash grab. This is not a lazy bunch of lazy filmmaking. This is a guy really, really stretching. But he's um, a guy who knows how to market and keep his thing alive for generations because he, he probably did this one a little later than he maybe sh- or he probably did the prequels a little later than he probably should have. But, yeah. you know, I, and then once, you know, when it, it all made sense because there were rumblings about a sequel trilogy a couple of years before he sold it over to Disney uh, that he, you know, it was, hey, Star Wars is a generational time thing. It's, it's time to get a, a new generation of kids uh, uh, their own Star Wars to grow up on. See, he is, all right, all right, all right shut up a second. Um, <laughs> I, like how, I like how brave this movie is where it could be like, Obi-Wan and Grievous are in a huge chase. We're going to cut that off in the middle so we can go back to talking for a while. You don't get that these days. Like, you don't have – every action scene has, is a set piece that's been designed for months in post-production. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he loves to intercut things. He loves the intercutting of tension. He's master. Oh, yeah, because, I mean, the, the multi, multiple battles that go on in, like, Return of the Jedi and Phantom Menace, like, like, is, is, and is, Attack is of the Clones has two going on at the same time. Like he, Phantom Menace has four fronts going on to that battle at the same time. He's intercutting between. That's... But is is the tension of that action sequence as tense as this Anakin? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like this is I a mean, tense it, scene. How would... could it be? It's it, it's it's a much small. The, the scales are much. The stakes are much less. In making follow-ups to any of the movies, obviously, you always have to get bigger and better or what have you just because of the nature of sequels and how storytelling works in times or what have you. But I never, I don't think he's ever topped Return of the Jedi's final act as far as having a, yeah. the, 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 battle yeah. of en- the Battle of Endor in space, the Battle of Endor on on the shield Endor, generator, the shield generator, and the, the dramatic heft that is Luke, Vader, and the Empire facing off of each other. Yeah. Well, he tried to he tried to top it in Phantom Menace. The Achilles' heel there is that we didn't care as much about the characters yet. The end of Jedi, but as a standalone intercutting of of different things, I think he I think I think he did at least as well in the Phantom Menace. I'm not saying he's done things like have been bad jobs, but I think like the the most affecting it's ever been has been in Return of the Jedi. Well, I mean, he built, he built it up. He has you know one thing in the first one. Empire's got Leia and Lando escaping Cloud City as Vader and Luke fight. Then we have the three we just mentioned in Return of the Jedi. There's four in Phantom Menace going on, and four. then he starts sc- scaling it back uh, when he gets he's, he's counting backwards when he does the. Uh, the prequels because now we get to basically eh, there's two lightsaber battles but the main there's one main one we're focusing it's intercut with the birth of the big babies isn't it well no there's uh, the, no that's at the end there's the there's the anakin and obi-wan battle with the emperor and yoda yeah. battle hanging out in right. the senate yeah right. but i feel like once it goes over to anakin and obi-wan teacups at the them, senate this is literally the half buying convertible and picks up yoda as i recall yeah, exactly. This is an hour and five minutes in. This is exactly the halfway point where things turn dark. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. This is this is it right here when he when Palpatine reveals himself, 
And Isn't it's it like, funny that this whole audience of people who demand dark, 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 and grim, dark, and everything don't like this? Is yeah. this not as dark <laughs> as Star Wars can be, really? Yeah. The hero goes bad. The hero from the first one was a little sweet little boy in the first one, and then a sort of weird romantic lead is now the bad guy. That's well, a, Scott, that's a journey. Yeah. Didn't you have a story like before Attack of the Clones came out? You said you and friends watched the movies oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. in order, and there was only you watched with a woman, uh, like a girl or a woman that had not seen them before, and you went from Phantom yes. Menace, and she was like mortified when you got to Empire Strikes Back yes. and found out, boy, like, the little boy was Darth Vader. Yeah. We, Phantom Message just came out on VHS because that's what it was back then. And so she watched that and she watched Star Wars. And yeah, when, when we got to the end of Empire, she freaked out, paraphrasing here. Oh my God, that sweet little boy is going to be Darth Vader? Oh, that's awesome. Uh, um, that's how she great. lived in a closet for her whole life, who knows? Well, but, but that's you know. a real journey that Lucas is taking yeah. you on as a storyteller. You should get more credit for doing that. He did not give you yeah. the same Star Wars. He gave you a different Star Wars. Right. And it was well, just... Well, he did was, his rhythm thing. He plays it like a song. There's similar things, but not the same way. It's, you know, like the chorus isn't, you know, the chorus isn't sung exactly the same. The verses sound alike, but are different. It's There's different. It's, it's, a, it's mm-hmm. a fundamentally different story. It's about the, it's a tragedy about the yeah. fall of this heroic But character. there are beats and stuff that match up to the original well, he trilogy. Wa- he wants them. He wants well, the, yeah. the score tells he you that alone. Yeah, the score, I mean, which is neat about it because, like you said, this is, this is awesome, not the same guys. thing. I'm, sorry, I'm watching this Grievous enough. chase and it's amazing. <laughs> I'm sorry, I know that seems fantastic. We're talking about this is great. This battle. This people battle don't want to hear. People don't want to listen to a commentary where we just sit and watch the scene. I, we can talk more about what's going on. Obi, 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 like Obi this. Who some... that loves Return of the Jedi? Watch, I, I, I love this robot. The, like this old ship. I love this old ship in the back here. Yeah. That and the one that Obi Wan escapes on looks like something out of like a old Flash Gordon, Commander Cody. Like, I like this reaction. For one thing, what is Grievous, by the way? We haven't talked, like, what, is he a cyborg? He's like, like he has yeah, he's lungs and a brain. He's an alien. Eye. He's some sort of alien kept alive by this robotic, this cybernetic suit thing. He's Darth yeah. Vader. He's more of a machine. Vader. Yeah, he's what Anakin's going to be. I'm sure we'll get yeah. some stupid movie that tells <laughs> into all this on Disney Plus at some point. <laughs> Another thing about the Lucas, these movies, there's a lot of stuff going on in the background, and I know uh, somebody suggested that they would they would like to see more stuff said in the sort of world of Coruscant and stuff. But with the Star Wars movies upon release, at least, the idea was that that richness in the background really, I mean, like, it was just cool that Boba Fett was there for a second or Bosk or whoever. It, was. Yeah. it didn't really suggest that this guy had a whole story that had to be investigated. He's it was better without an embarrassment it. of riches and imagination. Although Too much you, are, you, you have, you have found yourself more invested in the Mandalorian than other Star Wars stories, which is basically just the right. the, beat, the riffs that they're working on for the Boba Fett movie that they canceled. So. Right. Well, was it going to be the same story? Not the same, but I mean, it's. Pre- I think it's pretty clear that they had idea. They were developing a Boba Fett movie. Didn't that was plan with, out, with Josh and they, Trank. And they and they yeah with Josh Trank and they certainly uh, whatever material they developed, they they've certainly you know harvested from it to, to form the, the form the basic like spine of the Mandalorian. I've got a strong feeling that George Lucas has gotten more involved in terms of mentorship with these people. I think he's probably gotten over the fact that he sold them. And I think he's probably a little more involved. The Mandalorian felt to me in certain ways, like it must've had 
Well, it's Dave Filoni. Well, it's Filoni, and obviously Lucas, like, when Spielberg was showing him The Lost World, he showed him this guy, Vince Vaughn, he was like, yeah, I found him on this movie Swingers, and George was like, Swingers? What's in that? And then he found John Favreau, who yep. decided he wants him to shepherd the way for the visual effects of <laughs> Disney. I don't think that was it. Yeah, that's Clearly it is. He, he's, director, he, John Favreau is the face of visual effects for Disney now when it comes to ILM and creating series for Star Wars. I, I do think the smart thing with The Mandalorian is you get to, like, by not using it as Boba Fett, is you get to have Boba Fett without the expectations of it being Boba Fett. And you don't, like, so you, you don't can do take the, chances, the you can... Of, yeah. You don't do the dirty business of profaning the, the prequels by saying, well, that, you know, this is the real Boba Fett. I'm glad they went oh, the other way with that. I love, this is my that, favorite right? scene right. of the film. This Before we talk favorite. about this a little bit. This, back, back, backtrack just a bit. The, the scene oh, where... this is what where, I was talking about. Back, yeah, backtrack just a bit. But with so the, glorious. Hold on. But when when I was talking about with Sam Jackson oh, being pretty, when I was talking about with Sam Jackson being good in this movie, I, it's because of that scene where Anakin tells Mace Windu what's going on with Palpatine, and he's like, you know what, I've given you a lot of shit, but this is this is good information, and it's just that weird yeah. like that weird rough like rough ruffledness between the two of them where they don't seem to get. It seems like Mace and Anakin don't get along. That's like that's the impression. Oh, that well, he didn't want him there to begin with. Want, yeah, but like just Yoda, he rejected him. Yeah, it's always I think like before this, before this scene, Sam Jackson and Natalie Portman, who are both very good actors, are restricted by the fact that they're playing characters who are supposed to be stately and 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 statesmen, and they're sort of calm and even keeled. And I think you're right about this moment, letting Sam Jackson be a little more expressive in this uh-huh. scene. You know, um, and they're just I mean, that, you know, it's, because it's, we know what's still, going Natalie on Portman, here. We know what's going on. It's like, well, these characters should be smarter than this. Like, that's kind of, I think, running in the back of your mind as well. It's like, they don't see that this guy's, like, completely evil. Like, there's, that's sticking in. Clouded, man. They're clouded by their thing. Well, she's not a Jedi. It's just, so what, is it <laughs> she so, what is it that's so great about this? I'm sure our buddy Marty Scorsese would admit this scene was <laughs> cinema. I'm sure he would. And it is. It's such a strong visual thing. I can't explain why. Two young people being forced to make very, very grown-up decisions in two separate buildings at sunset on a planet that's all city, looking at looking out the window, not realizing they're sort of looking. R.I.P. Kipfisto. I mean, get it. Scorsese gets it because he knows the movies that Lucas knows in terms of what his inspiration is. Mm-hmm. Coppola doesn't care. Coppola's still be a dick about it. He's like, you made space movies. I don't care about what you're doing. <laughs> space I mean, movie that he tried to do himself pretty well. Uh, Cop- Coppola has the Coppola weird that way. tried to produce Star Wars. This is the weirdo gearhead, but I think they're all on the same wavelength, those guys. This I, is so I, fortuitous that, that Ian so weird. I never imagined to see the Emperor with a lightsaber. That was just something that never crossed yeah. my mind. I felt like, oh, he's the guy with the lightning. That's what he does. And it's then when I saw the trailer... Yeah. <laughs> I like his little gold lightsaber. It's pretty cool looking. Boy, in those pre-internet days, I don't remember anyone ever suggesting that, the, that Ian McDermott was a much younger man when he played the Emperor and could, could theoretically come back as Palpatine and be the right age in the prequels. No one ever brought that up until he was cast. I don't That's think. how I feel about Max von Sydow, who I'm pretty sure is 300 years old. Yeah. He's getting there. And then he turned up in Star Wars right. like, God, this guy. <laughs> hey, whenever they, whenever they remake The Exorcist, he's ready. I know. Hey, whoever it was that said, let's get rid of Max von Sydow in the first 10 minutes of The Force Awakens made a big mistake. They should have kept him around for the whole movie. 
He's just the kind of thing that movie needed. Is Max what if Martino. it what if it went the other way? Because Poe was supposed to die in Force Awakens, right? What if they yeah. like killed Poe off in the first minute, and the rest of the movie's Finn and Max von Sydow? <laughs> that sounds great. I would love to see how. Oh. Yeah, Max von Sydow should have at least made it to the end of the first movie. Max von Sydow, like he's just he's the kind of great old actor. Like he's hanging out. It's like, oh, I love this droid. <laughs> Well, Max von Sydow's clearly there because none of the Hammer guys are alive anymore to throw exactly, in, that's, that's so that's the closest yeah. he could get. Yeah. I think his death is early on, aside from, from plot reasons, it's just a way to show that the elder mentors are not going to save anybody this time. Uh, that it really is, point, you know, it's yeah. it's the youngsters that have to deal with the reckoning of, of and that's you know, the whole trilogy is about. Um, that, you know, the, the heroes of old, you know, don't meet your heroes, basically. So yeah, but then it depends Mace, so Mace, much Mace on Mace the just kicked out Sidious's uh, lightsaber. You just assume he has like a whole fleet of reds because he has another one later on, right? He didn't just, yeah. like, he didn't just go That's get it. Oh, it, it's right next to his whiskey in his bottom drawer. What you're saying is really interesting, Scott. I'm curious. I, I guess I haven't enjoyed the movie enough to even take it seriously enough to arrive at that kind of observation. Um, I just well, don't like Force you. Awakens, but but you're right. <laughs> See, his lightsaber can't suck it up like Obi-Wan's did with Count Dooku. But Count Dooku probably has novice-level lightning. This so is Star Wars it. heaven. This movie is Star Wars heaven. How can you think he's... love the original trilogy in is 2012 Sidious... be saying this is a terrible movie? Star Wars Sidious... heaven you're looking at right here. Is Sidious letting himself get burned up like this just so he can convince Anakin? I think, um, I or is this his, or is this really his true self coming out and he's acting as if? Oh yeah, that's what happening. I think. You know, like I think, you think the, so. You think that's how Shiev works? He just he's very yeah. van, he's very vanity driven until now. He's literally a weird mushroom in cheap's clothing. Wolf yeah, I, well, I, if, if he actually is this long living Jedi apprentice who's learned the weight of avoiding death, then uh, then it makes sense that he could be reverted back to how he should look. Just like a vampire would. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, there's a, certainly a Max Shrek vibe going on here. And again, you know, and, and, you know, the key moment of this entire trilogy, and Anakin is absolutely in the right to do what he does here, regardless yeah. of it. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it's, that's it's, uh, Anakin's motives that. aren't aren't for the right. He wants him. He wants him. For, he wants him for selfish power. reasons. He wants. He wants him so he can save. To, He's so trying to throw up. doing the right thing, and Lucas is saying you can be, you can feel self-righteous and be wrong. You can feel yeah. like you're doing the right thing and still be wrong, and that's a big lesson to teach. But you're saying he's really doing it for justice it. reasons when we know it's that is both. not the key motivation. He's using that as a way to, to he's using it as an excuse to get his own reason. Like what he, I'm saying like is, the emperor, the emperor using that is part. That's how he's seducing him. He's confusing the fact that. As a seventeen-year-old right. or however old he's supposed to be, he's not thinking he's like twenty-five, like right? Not... In this, yeah. Well, uh... he's on. He's not. He's under. He's 30. nine in the Phantom Wait. Menace. He's nineteen in Attack oh, of the Clones, 22. and this is five years later. So, twenty-four. He's still 24. running on idealistic youth fumes, Anakin, at this point, and Palpatine is 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 vexing him by suggesting the complexity of the situation. That's well, he abuses him. In that situation, he's screwed no matter what. Because if Palpatine, if if Mace, you know, strikes down the, you know, the leader of the Senate, the Jedi are all going to get tried and hanged, probably. Because there's no, you know, what are they going to believe? Oh, these yeah. random scary Jedi just said, oh, he told me he's a Sith Lord. Oh, okay, let's go on. That's fine. We believe you. 
<laughs> well, they they dig through his desk and find his like secret documents that say secret on them. Well, yeah, it's obvious. True. It's obvious he's popular because he's maintained office longer than he's supposed to. And that yeah, does Jar Jar keeps throwing his saying, hat in saying we need to give him more power. He's like, yeah, come on, we can. Right. This makes sense, guys. We missed his one line in the movie. Excuse me. <laughs> yeah, but he'll be mournfully walking people during Padme's funeral people. later on. And Jar Jar was supposed to have some tragic death in this movie, but because of what happened, George was like, nope, I'm going to piss you guys off and keep him alive. Was he supposed to, or is that just like... A That's rumor? what Lucas has said. That okay. Well, he, I don't think he's... He never said, like, I'm going to spite you fans, but he says his original intent was that I, Jar Jar was going to true. have I a... Think that he... Well, I think, I think the idea was Jar Jar considerably from Attack of the Clones. I think he probably expected to use Jar Jar a lot more, and his scaling. He was going to be the. the yeah, he's going to be the C three PO syndicate because that's basically the that's role Jar Jar plays is C three PO. Yeah, out of uncertainty how to move forward, he conceded to the fans, and he and he moved Jar Jar to the background. Mm-hmm. I, I I remember them saying Neil be considered killing Jar Jar, but Lucas always says this kind of stuff. I mean, you know, I think that's the we. If there's any, I like Attack of the Clones a lot. I still think the uncertainty he shows in the reaction to the first one is the thing that hurts that movie in places is, is, is the fact that he's giving and he's giving fans what they want a little bit more. And that's not what he should be doing. And he should be giving them what they need, you know, and mostly I think he does, but, but yeah, well, it's, it's I interesting. Mean, as much as I don't really have a problem with Jar Jar at all. I don't, I, Me neither, I, do, I, I do, I do think, well, what do we? What did he really add to Attack of the Clones if they had more of him in it? Like, I don't know what he's really doing there. It'd just be less C three PO and R two D two. And there's not even that much of them to begin yeah, with. No, so it's like, right. and the and stuff that there is a C three PO, it's not like great. Like, I mean, it's a, not... a pawn of the of the Senate. It works well that he's a pawn, you know, in this whole thing. Yeah, it's but like, I mean, the amount the, the amount that he's used point. is still fitting. Like, I don't see. I don't see a use for him to like be hanging around and every like if he's all like on no, Naboo. He would have been because why is I mean he would have been around. He obviously yeah he'd just be like in the background of Naboo like tripping on grass or something while Anakin and Padme are hanging out in the sand. Like I mean it's just like exactly whatever. that's exactly what it been would have been doing. He'd basically be like right. that scrap thing in Ice Age, just like having bonus scenes. Oh, oh, oh. He'd be or Olaf like he'd just be Except doing that. Except those scrap <laughs> things were often the best things about those movies. Imagine if the world was different where people were like, Jar Jar rules, and then they did have uh, separate things for Jar Jar. Like, yeah. Except the Rolling Stones still somewhere that says Jar Jar Superstar. He's the front cover. Before uh, they realized how much people hated him. But after yeah. the movie had come out, Jar Jar, Jar Superstar. <coughs> I like Jar Jar. I'm fine with him. He works in propelling that story forward. I've had, I don't find him an irritating. I've never had an issue with Jar Jar. I... As an effect, he was amazing at the time. Yeah, I Which mean, I, unsung, I'll say this. I think, in the far, as far as that goes. But he's for say, kids. He's obviously for kids. I like, get it, you know. I, I get it, the people that don't like him. I'm not as bothered by him, but I, I get. I can say, I can't sit and go, oh, no, they're morons, but I, I get it. But And it was, it's, no, it's a... It's, <laughs> well, no, it's, it's a hard left turn from, you know, if you're going into that movie being an adult, having grown up with them and having C-3PO and R2-D2 not knowing anything about it, it's it's a bit more on the nose with his type of role. I mean, and, I and they're more, trying to have him. Clumsier. He's it's a, a bit clumsier, but it all, it also go, underlines the point that the people, the original audience who are now older, wanted it to be curtailed to their expectations. Right. He didn't want any kiddie stuff in it. True. So any yeah. kiddie stuff was going to get criticized. I mean, the in fact that, that he also movie, did it. 
He's he's a bit too obsessed with making sure if Jar Jar's in the frame, he's doing something stupid. Like he can't just yeah, tap Jar Jar yeah, or walk sure, normal. That's sure. part of the problem. He with has Jar. a very aggressive entrance. Yeah, I and yeah. I, I'm a guy. That, he's a supporting character. It's fine. I'm a guy that over thirty gave a good review to Monster Trucks because I was ready for Creech. So I just don't really have a problem with these kind of things. Apparently. <laughs> good. I'm glad to hear it. Anyway, Tamora Morrison's here giving the lightsaber. Hey, writing cra- writing weird things. A Star Wars tradition, right? This yeah. <laughs> This is a yeah, and it always looks like clunky, McClunky. Sorry. Um, this, I, I I like that we get just enough of of, of Commander Cody and like understanding like the Tamora Morrison being friendly with um, Obi Wan, just so um, generals uh, Darth Sidious can be all executed yeah. sixty six, and he immediately shoots at him. Like that's it. It really shows like the the the, the, the tragedy of what these clones are and like what their ultimate purpose has been. And I love the yeah. music. Too. Oh, the music here is great. Especially because you, you, as we're seeing this, we get to go to all these funky planets like Felucia, and I'm like, where is this place? Like, yeah, what's, what's going on in this galaxy? <laughs> or this stuff right here with what's his name? What's this guy's name? Kiari Mundi. Kiari Mundi. Yeah, Kiari Um He sounds like a Mortal Kombat character, uh, and he's fighting like one too. He should he's be about to get finished. Yeah, and it's really like it's just so sad watching all these things happen. Oh yeah. Well, poor Plo Koon, he's stuck in a ship, and you know. Like... And Plo Koon's awesome in Clone Wars, the, oh, the yeah. animated series. He's got some moments, too. He's a really cool character design as well. Plo yeah, Koon's this planet... A, Plo Koon's a guy where if it was live action, like, if he was not an alien, I'd be like, that's Morgan Freeman. Like, that's always the, the yeah. kind of presence I got from Plo Koon. <laughs> yeah, here, when we get to the Alice in Wonderland planet for yeah. I'm like, what's going on in this place? <laughs> didn't didn't Clo- Clone Wars went here, right? Yeah, no, they went to all okay. these. Oh, yeah, yeah, they they, they if you see a planet in this movie, they visited there excessively. Yeah. They made sure to use these places, and look how violent that is too, where they like pan up and have these like getting all shot up. Well, and then they annihilate the Wookies here in this. There's some vicious. There's some gruesome aftermath for them that we see. Yoda's all feeling it. I don't even know where we are in this one. Oh, I assume it's a Wookiee homeworld, right? No, this no, Plo this place Koon, right no. here where, where Plo Koon gets shot down because it's yeah. like some kind of sky oh, okay, sorry. planet. You're like a second anime. Yeah, it's some kind of sky planet where there's it's like Halo. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it looks like. This one, with the, yeah, they're all we got swoop yeah. bikes over here. And yeah, John Williams' score in this scene is pretty fantastic as well. Do you remember, wasn't there, like, Han Solo was going to be in this movie, and it was like, no, 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 don't, George, please, don't. I feel like that was always a rumor. Okay. Like, they go to Corellia or something, right? And uh, I know there there is a Corellian cruiser in the background in one of the scenes. Oh, yeah, the, the, you can see the Millennium Falcon, yeah. like, in the in the scene where they crash land the ship, like, it's just pulling into yeah. the dock at some point. Just like you see E.T. in the background. Yeah, just like, yeah, just like E.T. Like, it's a lot of fun stuff. And Ben Burt in Phantom Menace. Yeah, there's no potatoes, though, for unfortunately. Actually, no, I think there is a potato in one of these scenes somewhere, mm-hmm. like as an asteroid again or something. Maybe it's in Attack of the Clones. That would make more sense. Anyway, Yoda does decapitate into two people because Yoda's badass. Like. And it's kind of interesting. Like, So, like, this movie, like, if you watch these in order and you do Solo next, you know, you have a hint of Chewbacca here and where's he go? And then he's, he's like your connection. On a he's, mud your planet. Con- <laughs> he's your connection to the next movie if you watch it in that order. I guess that order makes sense since Rogue One goes right into A New Hope. So, yeah, you'd watch right, Solo yeah. after this. Well, it's chronological, too. Yeah. I just don't think about it. Anyway, I think it's going to murder some children now. <laughs> yep. 
<laughs> they they got like the tiniest innocent looking boy to like to put yeah. up against him too. It's so sad. <laughs> it's like, oh, Master Anakin, I dropped my shoes on the way here, so I have socks now. Like it's so like. Oh my God. <laughs> no, I mean it's it's almost every single Star Wars fan of a certain age had an image of their head of how those two scenes would go, and yeah. I think it says something that this film was strong enough in presenting Lucas's version of that scene mm-hmm. that it works. Ah. The Baylor got in a heartbreak. <laughs> so it is. I like that he has a little friend trying to help him out first, though. Also, Jimmy Smith's. <laughs> he's just so rocking good. whatever costume he has in his face. Like, Jimmy Smith knows what he's he doing. He gets, like, five or six costumes in his short, like, screen time in this movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's resplendent. Yeah, Jimmy Smith. It's crazy. Every scene. And, and he resists, because he's a, I've noticed this about Smith, he's a handsy actor. He likes to put his hands in the scenes, just like really like snapping away and like making all kinds of movement. He really restrains himself in these movies. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Here's Jimmy guy. Smith's convertible. <laughs> yeah. I assume this is what he pulled up to in ABC every day. <laughs> yep. Hey, Ewan McGregor's using his mouth breathing thing from a, Phantom Menace. A, a, a bringing it back. Bringing it back. I just, I, I got that in the uh, Fallen Jedi Order, Jedi Fallen Order game that I'm currently playing. <laughs> I like that we're on Utapau a lot. Cause I this like is a nice it. point of view perspective that you've never gotten in Star Wars. Like this shot with the Wookiees from the perspective of the little walker. Uh-huh. That's something you've never seen. Yeah, you get some POV. Yeah, that's true. And I like, yeah, Attack of the Clones was, I think we probably talked there, it had a bunch of new camera work that you'd never seen in the Star Wars aesthetic before that. It, oh, yeah, because he, he got digital, so he can, like, do yeah. stuff. The zooms well, and the, stuff The like sort that. of saving Kramer Ryan stuff in the, in, the, in, the, in the fog of war in that yeah. end there with the Stormtrooper. Yeah. yeah. I like how he would do those little flourishes of new. Uh, he, he, he did it well. He's a showman. He's a very good showman, George Lucas. I like how Yoda has a little Yoda-sized ship for him waiting. <laughs> 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 it's very specifically for Yoda. So we're going to get a Tarful movie, you guys think? Uh, Tarful, yeah. a Star Wars story? Tarful's, Tarful's in the game that I'm playing. Oh. <laughs> yeah, he is. I'm serious. He's a, he's like, you have to find him at one point because oh, cool. he's, he's a very specific person. And I'm like, that's a fun reference. Like, I can understand what you're doing. Here's the early version of the uh, Tantive. Oh, that's that's the Smith ship. Right? Like, he, he yeah, all about the Tantives. That's a, that's must be an Alderaan class class cruiser. <laughs> that got big applause too. The interior, yep. which looks so much like the first movie, right? So many um, wipes here too. Like they feel like wipes. very notable. Wipes. He does the wipes, man. He's so good with those wipes. The it feels like they're very notable in this it. movie. Like there's a lot of them. I mean, like I guess because we're following like. He loves them so much, he went and added them to the original trilogy too. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, get to this yeah, I like this ship. ship again. Yeah. yeah, I love it. We haven't talked enough about the fact that they were in a lightsaber battle, and then they got in a car chase, and then they got into like a they live style street fight where they're punching right. each other. And, and then Obi Wan, the Jedi, is just like, "All right, enough of this," and he just shoots Grievous in the chest four times. <laughs> and then he like Doctor Wily's ship opened up, and he found a spot to shoot him mm-hmm. to take out the hit points. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Anyway, Hugh McGregor's talking to a hologram, so you know. Yep, there we go. <laughs> and Anakin, yeah, and I, I love that he 
half convinces Padme what you know is happening. Yeah, he he's carefully hiding the blood of the younglings yeah. while, he, while he convinces her that things are going to be okay. Like you know, she doesn't believe him, but she's got like no choice or just like you know what, whatever. This is my guy. I'm gonna believe. Like when she talks to Obi Wan, it's kind of feels real. Like yeah, this is why it's lesser of a a thing for like, like she's been in she this, she's better. been she's been in this room the entire movie. Like that's why it stands out that there's like less for her to do. Yeah. But ultimately, what comes down with George Lucas is this is Anakin's story, so. And she's hugely pregnant. Yeah, but we spent time. We spent time with Jimmy Smith. I mean, like we spent time with a lot of characters, and she's just like pacing around this apartment the whole time. It's true. Mon Mothma was in this movie, but she's on the cutting room floor. But she got brought back for Rogue One. Yeah, with the, uh, the the crow's bailing, right? Yeah, yeah, she, yeah. She was in there. She was one of the uh, rebellion. Like, yeah, like person that's like helping start the thing. I just wanted to plug our crow commentary that we already have that's currently mm-hmm. available on iTunes. Ling Bai Bai Ling, she's in it, and was in this movie. Does Disney Plus have the deleted scenes? I haven't checked, but I assume it, it's would. funny oh, when no. when Disney Plus came first came out, and all these people were talking about like this deleted material that's been readily available on home video, like it's new. I laughed. Well, that's the internet. Yeah, it is a nice advent though that for a streaming service there is an extra oh, section for all the right. movies where you can look at all these features. Oh, like, well, it's because Disney I... does that with they still put out physical media. And yeah, but it's still... a huge benefit that like you can't do that on Netflix. No, nope. can't like access like. I, I don't know if Netflix might, doesn't you, want you to enjoy movies. They can just you access the commentaries <laughs> on Disney Plus. Like that'd be a cool. Thing yes, too. I listen to the. Uh, oh, you can. Yeah. Commentary. Yes. Oh, that's very that's very cool. Though. I listened yeah, to I it on several car trips. Because I I knew they had the um. Oh, I love features. it. I didn't. I didn't. Um, I've listened. I listened to them all because I own it and I do that. Then I think the Russos and McFeely and whatever Marcus they they talk very well about their movies. Um, but um. <laughs> But yeah, no, that's that's neat that they we should stop plugging Disney Plus. <laughs> this is where you're reminded that Jimmy Smith it's is a such giant. A value. By the way. Jimmy Smith is seven feet tall. <laughs> like they put lifts in Obi Wan's boots to like help him out here. He's scraping his head on the ceiling. It's disgusting. How does Yoda look, guys? What do we think of Yoda in this movie? He looks like Yoda. Yeah, they they really nailed it. I, I like that point. they weren't they they kept to like his puppet like motions and things like like they didn't go overboard yeah. trying to breathe life into him that wasn't still, there before. It's still baffling that Phantom Menace he looks terrible. Like I the puppet like, the puppet not it's anymore like, not anymore not anymore yeah they, not anymore they, they upgraded him. but like when the initial thing came he's like what happened to Yoda? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so how did that happen? Wasn't it was it? In this is where we drop the ball. To young him up, like, or? like I saw the, the intricate designs you put really into Naboo and and like the pottery, like all the stuff yeah. that all the effort that you did to put combined miniatures and special effects, and Yoda somehow suffered in all of this. Do you think yeah, it? Very strange. Do you think, do you think New Gunray is always like, man, what's with this guy and his apprentices? Like it's always someone new. <laughs> yeah, right. No, because I don't think about New Gunray ever because he sucks. Yeah. <laughs> Minor detail. <laughs> Oh, I love this guy's little, like, flamboyant, like, well, he's expecting you. 
Oh, the Emperor's people? Yeah, the, the blue guy. They're fun. You ought to yep. get some key facial expressions here, as much as we're talking about some of the emoting from the live-action actors. They give Yoda a lot to do as far as looking concerned. Look at him, paying attention to Smiths. Like, all right, let me process this. What do those wrist guards do for Bail Organa? They what? represent the Alderaan chain of command. He can tap on them to talk to the Speaker of the House or the Secretary keeps our, of Keeps our planet from blowing up. Yeah, yeah, he's solely responsible for the shields. That's that's what happened, and he yeah. turned it off that one day. Mustafa. Mustafar is cool. Uh, you know, lava planets. That's fun. <laughs> it's, a, it's a planet of lava. You think we, anyone ever gets lost we, in Coruscant? We, we mine lava. Oh, oh easily. <laughs> it's it's all city. <laughs> Do you think we really travel that far in Coruscant? Because we like the Jedi Temple and the Senate and like Anakin's pad. They all seem to be like right around each other. Do you like? Do you think they're traveling all that far or not? Well, it's the capital city of the capital city. I well, suppose. Is it? Does it have a name? Is there a name of the capital city? The capital city? Is it just Curacao it's just city? one city. It's all Curacao, which I think is a great idea. Yeah, maybe the other side is kind of shitty buildings and rundown. I don't know. They must have want... gone there a lot in the Clone Wars series, right? Yeah, but I'm, I can't think of them like identity. You know, there's not like a Manhattan and a Bronx in the in Coruscant. Well, there is a down below where Obi Wan goes to that diner. It's obviously a different kind of Coruscant. Yeah, there's that. Even that's like separate from where he's like the guy mm -hmm. offers some death sticks and stuff. Like there's like yeah, there's areas. Street level, yeah. Well, yeah. Coruscant was actually created by Timothy Zahn that Lucas liked so much that he kept it. Good idea. I like this and, move right but, here where he but, throws his lightsaber into the guy <laughs> and pulls it out. <laughs> but 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 Lucas changed the pronunciation of the name because it was Coruscant in the uh, oh, really? Zahn books era. That's how he pronounced it, and Lucas turned it into Coruscant rather than It was easier for Liam Neeson to say. Yeah, probably. Couldn't be bothered or he said pronounce. it wrong the first day of shooting. and He didn't want to, he didn't want to correct Schindler. Yeah. Like, well, he knows what he's doing. <laughs> hey, he gave him a lightsaber. You don't want to mess with him. Yeah. Yeah, they were real in the first one. That was another yep. little yep. trivia also. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was too dangerous. That's why Darth Maul never came back. Yeah, though he, he actually cut himself. That's why you don't see Ray Park standing up very often. Yeah. <laughs> what if the commentary was all this? <laughs> <laughs> Look, there's all those murdered children. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh-oh, we're going to have to get some refunds. I still sense good in him, though. I get in the Jedi... <laughs> I guess the Jedi are pretty calm, but they're locking over like dead kids. I feel like there should be a little bit more emotion going on in this. Hey, episode. quit getting upset, Obi Wan. No attachments. No attachments. I think that's frankly what this movie. The only thing I really feel this movie is missing is a bit less of a stiff upper lip. Yeah. Well, because they hold it all till the end. That's when everyone yeah. gets emotional. When he's like, "You are the chosen one," like all that stuff. Like it yeah. just feels like it, it's all hammered wow. in at the end, and they don't like give you much time to really hit those beats as hard as you could. Padme, oh. she's crying a bunch in this movie. Yeah, I think that stiff upper lip applies to the whole the whole prequel trilogy. There really isn't a Han Solo that can lighten it up in that way. Everyone is either a Jedi or a politician on some level. So you do get a lot of people sort of used to speechifying a lot. It's a different game. And you know what's crazy is well, I... New Gunray's about to die. Okay, cool. Okay, never mind. So, <laughs> so this year I made a point because I wanted to know, you know, the original quote-unquote sequel trilogy was the Zahn books and I found an interesting aspect of the Zahn books which are widely praised people love them people are like oh it's better than anything else very heavy on the political stuff that really? they complained they didn't want from the prequels 
Yeah, but everyone was it's everyone about, was reading Grisham back then. So, but it when really it's matter. when it's when it's Leia, Princess Leia, Mon Mothma, you know, Admiral Akbar, Han Solo being involved in politics stuff and starting the New Republic, and it's very steeped in political power plays and stuff like that. Uh, apparently, it's okay. But when it's kind of surface level stuff with the, you know, with the prequels, they they didn't want it. But this is what, I mean, they, it was in the expanded star wars right from the get-go in saying that i mean the second you put padme outside of the apartment into the senate like suddenly she has good dialogue again yeah (laughs) like they're like they have lines to give she and smits are talking about how sidious is like you know everything's ending and it's bad and like we need to reflect on this and think about why that's so important right now Mm -hmm. for for example this this scene where obi-wan discovers holy shit you know, Anakin is, is totally gone rogue. Anakin, come this yeah. summer. We have he's my, he's my favorite. Christensen. That's the, my favorite the Terminator villain. Sebastian I corrected myself. Um, no, it, it, it's it's an oddly low-key scene for such a stunning revelation. Um, That's my Star Wars convention, Scott. Thank you, Anakin. <laughs> I, I will say that I did enjoy seeing something that we had never seen up to that point, which is basically a lightsaber massacre. Yeah. 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 Well, um, we had the we had the sand people in the previous one. We saw a bit, of, like yeah, a bit uh, of it. Anakin goes. To I mean, on street. Uh, I hear you. I hear you saying. Um, this it, is a hell of a recap, by the way. It's got all the big points very highlighted yeah. <laughs> from various angles. The, the yeah. Empire, the Emperor went to the Jedi Temple. Like, Although I get, I can uh, admire dude. the I, I can admire the various angles thing because I can't stand seeing like you know video footage that's just the movie you just watched recapping that. scenes. Yeah, like, yeah, like in the Star Trek movie, yeah. <laughs> or it just like shows Baseball, you the exact the, scene you saw film, from a director's angle from different angles. Yeah, Baseball. exactly. They do that in Star Trek Three when they show the end of Star Trek Two again. Yep. It's the actual end of the movie. <laughs> yeah, they pop in the, <laughs> the same, real it's same cuts, the same it. angles. The score should play on it. That'd be the best. Yep. 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 You can see the wheels in Yoda's head turning, thinking I should clone myself and make a baby it, one day. It's like on a nightstand when they have like the promotional photos, or just like a scene from the movie, like crop to look like a photo. Oh, uh, they did that people. in like Indiana Jones and the, and the Crystal Skulls. There was a scene where it was obviously a promo shot of Sean Connery yeah. in a frame on his desk. Oh yeah, the, like, like that yeah. smile Why he has. Why did get a better picture than that? <laughs> it's a still from Last Crusade. <laughs> or back in the day, you could have had someone's like painting of it you know i don't get hung up on this kind of thing as much as i get hung up on like i don't know people using accents when they should just be speaking the language or why bother with accents to begin with yeah but but there is like when you see like photo shots of families and it's just clearly like the cast members at the age when they were hired to be in the movie that all look that age and there's never anything younger yeah (laughs) obviously was an understanding because there's all that thing with the fake money in older movies where it's like we can't show real money. Sorry, we got to show this fake money. You understood that was part of the deal. I you and just couldn't show real money. Or when you, you order that... a beer, like <laughs> beer, I'll take a beer. A beer, or or when you get served a giant soft drink and you take your first sip, it sounds like it's empty. That happens all the time. Yeah, it's it's the difference between like an Elmore Leonard script versus like you know generic hollywood script like the detail like it, yeah. it it comes in and goes and then it sometimes it doesn't matter something like this is a heightened universe where like yeah it should be like this it's pulpy whatever <laughs> yeah yeah for sure for this it works see there this this is good there needed to be more an idea well no there, there didn't need to be but like this is the kind of stuff where 
Anakin losing trust in Obi-Wan need to be more... Because he just doesn't know. Like, all also, he knows... I was going to say, Ewan McGregor seems to, like, elevate the acting around him, too. Because, like, yeah. the, like these the reactions here, like, they seem emotional and they seem real. I mean... It, and, like, the I goat, think because they're better actors. <laughs> yeah, but they're also one-on-one together. Like, they get to play off of each yeah. other. Um, Do you remember so when the original idea was that the original rumor, which is partially true, I guess, is that this is going to be much more of a of a uh, Othello replay where where it suggested to to Anakin that Obi Wan and Padme are having a thing. Well, I I always thought there should have been like a tr- not the way it played out because this is pre Jimmy Smith, but I thought there should have been a thing between Bail Organa, Padme, and Anakin, whereas you wouldn't have to kill. Padme just because she didn't appear, but like you wouldn't know if that was her kid or maybe it was Bail Organa's. Anakin oh, could be led to believe it was his, and that could be some of the anger. But I mean, it's, I just, it's not going that deep because it's for everybody to watch, and it, right, it has other things on its. Yeah, mind that as was well, my as adult as self thinking a kids a kids movie should be like lifted to that. That's my fair. own my own fault, but that's where my mind was when watching these movies because I was fair, thinking for fair. myself. Fair enough, well, yeah, but, playing, but you, you guys are you guys aren't wrong as far yeah. as pointing out the like Shakespearean drama going. Like, there's much less Kurosawa going on here. Yeah. There's a lot more Western tropes and Greek tragedy being mixed together. Mm-hmm. Right, you can't play on sexual jealousy in these movies. It's not the realm of Star Wars, really. You know, it's and a lot more generalized. And do you think a lot of um, gosh, like I feel like there's a there's a sec too. We we're talking about like appreciating things and, and references and what makes star Wars stuff. I feel like there's a big segment of star Wars fans. Like I saw star Wars. I wanted to know more about star Wars. I hear what George, like movies, George Lucas name drops and other people name drop. I went and discovered those movies. Like, I feel like yeah. some star Wars fans just stop at star Wars and that they only know these things because of star Wars. And it makes me appreciate star Wars more oh, seeing what made it. And I, and it, like when you get to things like, like the last Jedi, which is influenced by a out of the great things like like yeah, star wars should be like sure. i'm like oh this is awesome because it's the first one i'm coming into knowing that before seeing the star wars right now, and like yeah. and not having to go back and li- there was a couple things where i was like oh okay i might go back and check that out but like seeing like three outlaw samurai realized in a lightsaber throne room battle was awesome yeah. Uh, yeah. Like a, just a shot that references wings. It's like or okay. the apartments. <laughs> yeah. I mean, oh, yes. like it's it's crazy. Wait, the um, apartment? Yeah, the 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 um when they get on the ship, uh, the the office area was based off the apartment. Wow, one of my favorite movies. That's great. Yeah. I mean, really, yeah. yeah. That, I, it, it's hard to put it into words why that's valuable, but it is. If you are coming from a richer and more diverse background of movies that you love, it comes through in the movies you make. You know, and I think Ryan Johnson probably has more sincere love for, I don't know, Howard Hawks movies or something than than J.J. Abrams might. I mean, it just it matters. It it seems more evident, that's for sure. Well, I'm just saying, if you never go back before Star Wars, you miss a lot of the charm of Star Wars. And it really is kind of a Western you miss all of that stuff you miss the way it reinvents stuff the the searchers in hidden fortress blended with other things it like casablanca's in star wars like it's a whole lot of things it's it's, it's got everything i mean it's got it's it's got everything that they love that's what they're doing it was meant to be like for a richer it allows for a richer shorthand that 
it's not available if you're not referencing those things. For sure. Like and that I mean speaking, language. Speaking of how to how to explain like what that is, it's just your mind just feels more stimulated. That's what it comes yeah. down to. I mean that's 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 that that, that, that's yeah. the that's the enriching way that you're thinking of something. It's not just in terms of I like this thing because this thing exists. It's I like this thing because my mind feels like it's moving around because I understand everything it's trying to tell me. Well, and I'm sure there was that yeah. guy in '77 was like, I liked Star Wars better when it was called The Searchers. Well, of course <laughs> there is. So that's that comes with territory. That's generational. That's that's a the generational people that don't thing. realize that every story is informed by other story by informed by other stories, and that's how we have what we have. Um, Watch uh, Christensen's performance here, because I think this is like probably the peak for where he's at, where he has to he has to convey this love that he has, slowly reveal the kind of obsession he has over being with her and ruling the galaxy and seeing everything he's doing in his face. It's turning around where he's seeing the person that the one person he sacrificed everything for seems to be betraying him. And it's all just it's coming out of him. Like, well, he's Scott, much, you're very, you're he's very much better with his face than his, his words, his physicality. Yes. You're, you're very correct in saying that because you can see it all like it. You have to see a very believable shift here. And while I don't, I'm not as taking with it when he becomes Darth Vader and he's like, what have I done? This scene, he really does deliver. This is this is the, the, the uh, moment where you're seeing it happen. Even the people who I tend to like him in these movies, but his saving grace is definitely that when he really needs to nail an emotional beat, that's uh -huh. kind of what he does it like in, in Attack of the Clones when he talks about killing the sand people. He definitely hits yeah. his mark in that scene really well. well you know? Here's the thing. What he just did, what Palpatine let him do. He killed the villains he had seen, been against since he was a child, and he was able to end the war. Palpatine allowed him to right. single-handedly just end the war by killing the separatist leaders right in there in Mustafar. Like, and he's like, what, aren't you proud? Like, I just did this. Look at this. This is the way, that, you know, we ended the war. Like, things are, and it's, it's just a pretty interesting aspect that i don't know that's the kind of richness that, that that the new ones don't have those levels to them and the fact that these get dismissed because the very very surface stuff can be clunky is a shame because they do have these levels of richness to them i would give a little bit more credit than you but i know you i like them more than you so it's i mean i, I'm don't, not, I, I, don't I, I don't i don't think i would be hard pressed to think we could find four people uh four smart guys talking about the force awakens and, and coming upon um, interesting <laughs> observations about what we're seeing. It's hard You're to really. Yeah, I mean, I, and I would agree with Force Awakens as far as you know, it's it's a it's a shallow film in that regard. I do think the Last Jedi has a lot of but interesting things. Force Awakens to also out. had a different agenda as That's, well yeah, as a film. Too. Like it, it's a it needed to be a feel. It needed to be a feel and not something deep and it interesting. To pander to that original audience. To of get course. Well, and to, to gain back a sense of trust is what I've always looked it's at. It's called as. pandering. They pandered, and it of worked. Of course, that that, that was its hard. intent. That was the intent. That's it not was something yeah, to be proud of. I'm not saying, but it was the agenda of the film to begin with. So, did it succeed right. in doing that? It's an ugly world. I agree. <laughs> anyway, we got white white hat, dark hat here. <laughs> I do like that little moment where Obi Wan checks on Padme. Like, it's just like he wants to see, like, hey, he remember like, he was he was checking on that dude, that Jedi falling down in Attack of the Clones. It's his M.O. He's always got to check a pulse. Obi Wan's a good Obi Wan's a good dude. He, wants he to checked on Qui Gon right. when he was down. Like the, what now, this Obi -Wan does. This beard does you a lot guys, of work for him. Also, I just want to. Well, it's not a reshoot beard ever. Yeah, so that's, that's nice. nice. <laughs> Great shot here with the sun peeking through, and then it's going to go away as they start their battle. Yeah. 
His reshoot guys... beard sucks in Attack of the Clones, and his reshoot hair sucks in <laughs> Phantom Menace. Yep. What this, do you remember when that, that Camille Paglia book came out, and, and she said that this last sequence was the greatest work of art in the last 50 years? I bought that book, Glittering, Glittering Images, and it, it, it you know, she's a she's always a controversy seeking and she's very conservative and very critical of modern culture, but she does in fact list all these works of visual art through the, through the millennia. And the last chapter is, is about the last 30 minutes of this movie. And she makes her case that it's the greatest work of art in the last 50 years in any medium. I, I just thought that was a, it was a crazy over praise. I love this movie, but that's, a, I like seeing someone go that far in that direction because they've been so beaten up otherwise. Well, I think you alluded to it earlier, Nancy, but if you were to take and uh, give someone to honestly, honestly, like a hater, list their pluses and their minuses from the movie objectively, I would th say there's probably a lot more pluses. It's just they get so hung up on those few minuses. Which is strange. Which is that's, that's a relatively new development in the culture. That's a yeah, paradigm. Yeah. Those minuses I, I can ruin the pluses, even if the pluses are much more than the minuses. Yeah, I, I like when Yoda just knocks those two guards into the wall like that. That's just very. But by the way, the 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 uh, the Yoda Emperor throne room battle, Steven Spielberg's contribution to Star Wars. Yep. Yeah, yep. It's, his, it's, his, it's his Scarface. Right? It's his Scarface stair scene. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I thought he helped with the. Right? I thought he helped with the first reel. No, he, he directed the throne room. Uh, this throne room battle. Uh, he directed he storyboarded it. it. Yeah, I think it's what he did. I th uh, he say he certainly had some like. Meant to, he 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 had he had he added some help on uh, some ideas. It probably mm -hmm. probably because he's done, you know, things. Of course, those guys are pretty well. Those guys right, he's, exactly. He's still bitter because he didn't get that Return of the Jedi job, but he decided to help an old friend. Well, he wanted like Spielberg had some time. He was only directing two movies at the time. Yeah, this is right, this is a busy right. year for Spielberg. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, this is Munich, right? Yeah, jeez. Uh, yeah. yeah, I got ten minutes. What can you? Yeah, I'll direct a scene for you. <laughs> I, this that's even to me that's always been even more impressive than Jurassic Park and Schindler's List, yeah. which are, it's also just but like the, just especially at the time like it's just, it's like what he's, he's doing like he's older talk, and he doesn't have to that's the we, thing. like it's yeah. crazy we talked about this before but like I remember War of the Worlds came together like real quick like him and Tom Cruise were like oh it's a go and we're like okay let's go and like next week they're filming and it was all in the news like they got the money they're doing it like it was just like just like go 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 and then the movie came out like you know months later it was like oh my god these guys and then it was okay but then the Munich was amazing <laughs> War of the Worlds is a fun little movie I, I didn't yeah, I did not get all the hate well. it got I, I do not care for tim robbins and afterwards in that movie i'm sorry it just does nothing for me this is an interesting action sequence i mean it's, it's very good it's very big but it's all you're dealing with two characters one of whom is an old guy the other one is a little muppet who you know it's it's challenging to make them convincing acting figures. Well, and and the the emperor is well, the emperor's got a different colored cloak, so that's how easy you yeah. can make his. Um, but he, he's like got this, this little like this mustache they... twirl thing going on, which is kind uh -huh. of fun. I like this bit where they force push each other, and it like they're it's yeah. going too oh, hard, yeah. and they can't. Neither of them can get it. Like that's fun. And Anakin jump kicking Obi Wan is kind of cool. The physical cuts like... are a lot better in this movie than the last one. Yeah, for sure. 
This stuff is gr- like just the watching him going. I love how the Senate becomes a central action set piece. Well, they're tearing it. Some... Yeah, it's this big place that was. I mean, it's essentially it's set up symbolic. in Phantom Menace. Like, it's you very, see it's very. Yeah. So by the it's... time we get to this third movie, they're like literally fighting in it and destroying. It. Yeah. So it's like that's the that's Emperor... how our democracy is falling right now. They're at, like imagine fucking what Pelosi and Trump having a fist fight right. in the, the White House. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I like this too, where they're just like, show me your moves, and they're spinning their lightsabers at each other. <laughs> Here we go, this force thing. So I guess in this, Blendedig, or whatever his name is, is Anakin? Oh, um, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys like this fight, this lightsaber battle? Yeah! Yeah. I, I, I like it better before it gets... Like, the lava stuff just... Where they're on little things and ba- like, eh, it looks very. It's a big video game. Yeah, it looks, yeah. Very, it looks yeah, very. Yeah, that's. Yeah. But I, you know, this goes big and gets bigger and big. So I do not fault it for that but, ambition. Well, we talked about all six of these movies. At least Brandon and I have, and you guys have been in various ones of these. Where do where do you like? Where do you place this lightsaber battle versus the other epic lightsaber battles in this series? Honestly, you, what? A, no, go ahead. Do you count the Last Jedi? throne room as a lightsaber let's count let's count let's count, the, let's count the lucas let's count the lucas films the lucas okay uh emotionally the the luke vader fights are just there's something to them that any athleticism might not be able to overtake but man that phantom menace lightsaber battle yeah phantom menace I agree. amazing yeah, it's hard to look like those close-ups when it goes just like when John Williams just like rises up and you get the shot of Liam's face and quite and two bad yeah, guys, Darball's face. And, yeah, well, and it's really just opening up, being like, "Hey, you remember those when the old man fights where it's just like clank, 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 clank." This is what it was really like back in the day, and showing yeah, the height of really, Jedi power. Yeah, it really delivers on what the Jedi could do. I will really say that I, I what you thought about all those years. And the best two, argument two I good guys but, versus the bad guy, which is supposed to be not not the way it goes in movies the best argument the best argument i have for watching these movies in chronological order is because i like the weight that it gives that fight between obi-wan and darth vader and a new hope because of watching these movies and seeing that seeing that history play out yancy the reason so okay so you know i was talking about mirroring things it's two jedis versus one sith and that because in return of the jedi you have two sith and one jedi in the final um final battle yeah, so it's 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 mirroring that interesting. it's true yeah as, as freddie prince yeah, jr explained true. to me it's all about symmetry symmetry yeah <laughs> that's part of lucas's idea like he's doing the he's not being obvious with these things he doesn't tell people but they're there like he yeah he, he made a comment saying that he sees the star wars films as a song and and with verses and choruses and stuff like that and and like you come back around to things you do things and they're not always the same but things match up Things, and there's a there's a huge study that some well-mannered person did. It was like I think it was called like Star Wars Ring Theory or something like that. Right. I and if you read that, that yeah. it is fantastic. And there's stuff you wouldn't even imagine that's there. That was it intentional? Was it subliminal? Did he realize he was doing it? Some of the stuff, of course, but it's just it's magnificent. It's a fantastic, very positive thing uh, in the Star Wars universe to read. Like that. Great more stuff like that. Great shot when the lava erupts as they collide right there. That's a, yes. Yeah, that's a great shot. I oh. don't know how Yoda loses. I'm very confused by why Yoda yeah, loses. Never made sense I think it. Yoda, Yoda just no. gives up. I don't yeah, think he I loses. lost my jacket. I'm going to go into exile. Well, it's like he doesn't well, even try to get his lightsaber back. The movie's forced to tie up loose ends at some at this point. I know it so just it's, it's like it's a it's a it's awkwardly handled. He was winning. 
it, it doesn't seem like the fight was over. It just seems like Jordan, you know, it seems like John Williams ran out of music for that scene. It's like, yeah. all right, I guess we're done. <laughs> as far oh, as so they can't keep intercutting. I actually really like the last, the, the Dooku Anakin fight that opens this movie. It's not yeah. super long, but it's very iconic. You have the main hero, the main villain at the time, wearing a cape, fighting each other with all the ships going crazy in the background. It's a very iconic Star Wars sequence. And I've always, you know, it's a lot of it's, in, there's long takes. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, 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 I like it a lot. Well, I like when, when uh, Mace Windu and the Emperor are fighting and they get up to that window and it crashes open and yeah. the wind, yeah. like, Starts going. That's the it's the it's one of the more samurai focused battles that they have in this series. Yeah, I uh, I the the Return of the Jedi final lightsaber battle is what did it for me just because John Williams' score is so amazing in that. But in terms of in terms of like anticipation levels, like even as a one that you know was a child and saw these on VHS before anything, not in theaters or whatnot, the build up from going from Star Wars and realizing I'm gonna see Luke versus Vader in the next movie, that excited me and that delivered for like it's it's like this is this is a, this is like the greatest thing I've ever would have ever, ever seen at that point in my life. It's like, oh my God. They, mm-hmm. The 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 main hero that I've been following in this first movie, now he has the lightsaber and he's fighting the big bad guy. It's crazy. Like that's and that fight is pretty fantastic also. oh yeah <laughs> um the, the, and I, I think i mentioned this on the empire commentary the shot with them in the middle of the uh Cloud just City. over the pit uh-huh yeah, yeah. that to me that's star wars in a nutshell oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, i will say that one thing i like about the force awakens lightsaber fight at the end is that it's interesting in that you have three young people none of whom are very good at it uh-huh. so there's a certain mm-hmm. animalistic making up as they go along is trying not to die feeling to it. That was, at least to me, it was different from what we had seen before. Well, one of them is, the the good one is kind of severely injured. Yes, yeah. and he's also trying not, he's trying not to kill her if he doesn't have to. Uh, he's like not the best. I mean, <laughs> they probably, he's probably not had many fights with a lightsaber yeah, yeah. against another lightsaber. The thing, the oh. thing I love about the the Last Jedi is it does everything but have like the lightsaber. But like two lightsabers never clank each other yeah. in that movie. But it has like, and when there is, there's like a Luke Ray battle, but it's with the, he's got a staff, um, or she, yeah. And then they have the you know Kylo Ren, but Luke's not really there, and they're not really touching. And then they they have this ultimate battle where they're fighting together with lightsabers, but never fight each other. Like it does, it's it's kind of brilliant on Ryan Johnson's behalf. And probably fully by design that he would do yeah. a Star Wars movie where there is no lightsabers make contact with each other at all. But he'll have, oh, Finn and and um, uh, Captain Phasma have a lightsaber-like battle without using yes. lightsabers in that movie. But And the last few listeners that were still tuning in without dealing with us praising The Last Jedi have just left the commentary track now. <laughs> yeah. I like this moment. They praise like... the prequels and The Last Jedi. I cannot stand them. I like this moment where they're just kind of like, boy, we're tired. <laughs> we're just standing here like, we've been fighting a lot. I know. We were on the other side of the planet. <laughs> I'm going to build my castle right over there. <laughs> <laughs> where I get to think about things. <laughs> nice land. You know, it's funny. You could put it in a world where uh, Darth Vader just sits at that castle. Like, from here, from this movie, like... To uh, like after this movie, he's like, "All right, go back to Mustafar. I built your castle," and then he's not awakened until Rogue One. 
head cannon. <laughs> yeah. I have the high ground. No, he does show up in Rebels. Oh, yeah, the high ground. I mean, just don't don't jump. <laughs> I'll get you, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You'll see. He probably could have just skipped over to the ground on the lower part, walked up, and then, like, well, continued fighting. He could have used the Force. Yeah, they were, you know, we tried that. Push him or something. I don't yeah. know. This is but he's being this pushed is, by anger. This is, this is the yeah, last time. Yeah, yeah, he's fighting with anger. Yeah. This is the yeah. last time I'm the learner, Obi Wan. This is it. I'll be the master next time. I do like this line where he says you're supposed to, you know, yeah. not, not join them. Like it's such a. <laughs> this is good stuff. <laughs> and the music is yeah, great. Yeah. You know, this this is a melodramatic beat that that leads into the melodrama. Yeah. And uh-huh. McGregor plays. He, he really reacts yeah. to this scene as well, as far as the emotion you're supposed to have when someone's shouting, "They hate you!" As I, they burn up. And maybe the difference is that Hayden Christensen is better as a rogue than as a hero. I, I, yeah, which should so be those in, moments are more compelling. I, He's I better do as like a that, really um, flawed oh. guy than as a heroic guy. Yeah. I, yeah, I, but I mean, it should. Th- there's a world where either he gets directed better, or there's another person that really sings home the idea that yes, yes, the hero thing is never going to work out for him, but he can still play those beats well enough. And it's just unfortunate yeah. that that never really matters. It's not like I certainly, I think we've talked about this plenty, but I, I certainly have nothing against Hayden Christensen. I think he's a fine actor. I just think he just was. He, he I wasn't. Think he was he only doing what Lucas asked of him. No, that's what I'm saying. He was, there was no yeah. no service was done to him by having him in an area that he's just not used to, frankly. But as it's got to make go, sense that not... he's going to be the bad guy. It's got to make sense from the beginning that he's going to be the distinct. When people complain about Hayden Christensen being whiny, what they're saying is, I don't like that he's going to be the bad guy. But that's the whole point: is that he's flawed from the beginning and he's going south, so he can't ever really be three of those chains in this story he's always going south he can't but be... i think there's a way to get a performance that isn't like one that stands out because of certain reasons like i mean it's it's the same thing as like i don't know the martha thing and it's not that people hate the fact that their mothers are martha and that line's ridiculous it's that the movie itself is not handling this drama well enough like yes, it's that, it's not conveying the point awkwardly acting. Yeah. It's not conveying the point well enough for you to not laugh at the fact that that's what's happening. Well, it's You're just seeing a movie a person... super freaking serious, uh, and then it drops out, and it's like, oh, it comes off. So, yeah. so you're, you're watching someone like Anakin who, yes, the character is by design supposed to be irritating because of the things he's saying, but th- I think there is a performance out there that could work to capture that essence at the, at the same time show you a guy that you want to root for, but you know is going to have a tragic end. I think there's a way to do that. It just doesn't entirely successfully do that. I, I want to say I I like that um, Attack of the Clones sets up that Obi Wan tends to pick up Anakin's lightsaber whenever he loses it and it uh, right, totally yeah. feels doesn't feel awkward you know like him picking it up is a nice kind of a sad touch that when you think about it it's just good callbacks because yeah. it was it was a fun thing to do in the last one and now it's kind of like sad that it's like oh this is it this is your picking up. <laughs> I like the the Clone War era shuttles are like, yeah, this is how they look. And then in the in the original trilogy, they're like, what if we added a giant fin to the top of the middle? Like, yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> there he is. Like, oh boy. Mustafar must be like, Mustafar must be like just around the corner from Coruscant. Like everybody, oh, yeah. everybody gets there quick. Yeah, no, Mustafar's the long beach of the galaxy. It's just there right in the middle. <laughs> Hot out here, and it's it? all industrial. That's that's the other thing. Too. There you go. Yeah. 
All right, I know you want you're happy to see me, but let's get me out of the hot coals that I'm laying on right now, guy. Come on. Where is this? It's like a meteor, right? It's like, like a like a little like station on on a meteor. Some moon base or something. So like Leia should be like in Empire should be like something familiar about this place. Yeah, I'm waiting <laughs> to see a, like an obelisk standing somewhere. Or right. <laughs> So this is is uh, Jimmy Schmidt's role right now is just to to tell people that we found somebody they're coming like after he sees the Jedi Temple he's like found Master Yoda oh yeah no, he's, like Anth- here. he's like Anthony Mackie in Avengers Infinity Wars like oh we got a problem over here oh we got a problem over there oh there's a problem this way Cap like it's it's a lot of that that's that's the line was that he Jimmy Schmidt's cast with the presumption that he would headline a TV series or is that just a coincidence. No, it's it's just it was just an interesting pick of a person you know, but it was an easy get yeah. kind of. Yeah, I mean, it's not like Jimmy Smith was tearing up the screen. I mean, it's, he's just a there good was actor. there was actually he's the second actor that cast as Bail Organa because if you there was a there was a Phantom Menace like art book or storybook, and they had photos of people and there was a photo of a guy and the cabinet said Bail Organa, and it was like a really weird like one of those like yawning fancy prince type looking guys. And uh, but you can find it like it was for Phantom Menace. There was a totally other guy cast as him, and then it was Schmitz for Attack of the Clones. If you ever needed an argument as to why this movie is fantasy and not sci-fi, it's because Padme dies of a broken heart. Yes. Oh gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I, is... I like this movie a lot, but I cannot defend this. Nope. It, it, the only stupid. the only way to justify it is that it's a fantasy movie, and that's what happens in fantasies. Yeah, this is this is the this is Princess Bride territory right here. Like, why couldn't she have gotten a head injury when like yeah. Anakin? Yeah, for one like... thing, that's really sad, and I don't want to think about that. But also, I mean, it's a fantasy. Like, it's not sci-fi. It's not real. And she doesn't want to be a mother and raise her damn children. Jeez, people have people have magic powers. I mean, whatever. <laughs> Yancy, any thoughts on this? Little Annie lost the pod race of life. <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother me. It, like like you say, it's a fantasy. It, it, it's you know, and it, it it did go south pretty badly. If someone's ever gonna die of a broken heart, it would be her. These nurse robots are terrifying, by the way. I'd hate to be a child seeing this for the first time. <laughs> Luke is a fat baby. That kid's like 18 now, or oh, it's like. I think Mark ha- Mark Hamill posted a picture. He was freaking out about yeah. it. He goes to all the conventions. He puts up a picture of himself in the movie. He he takes pictures with the uh, in the cloth. Yeah, he puts corn syrup on his face before he goes to conventions. Pos- <laughs> poses with the cardboard stand-up of Joel Edgerton. <laughs> um, it's a great so moment. I like this. I like the um, the eye shot right here. Yeah, that's cool. And that look he gives, like, oh, I guess this is happening. <laughs> oh, I found a picture of the the original Bail Organa. Or no, they okay, they now label him as Bail Antilles. But I remember, yeah, there it is from the book. I found it. Bail Antilles is his maiden name. They have weird traditions in Alderaan. Bail, Bail is a popular name. The John Smith. Of... Yeah, <laughs> Bail. She had, she had names all picked up and re- picked out and ready to go. So I'm surprised there's not more Anakins in society. No, it's a it's a popular name. That was one year that was like a, a top ten popular name to name a I, child. I'm sure it so, was. I just you know I'm not hearing about them. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. They all go I ran into an Anakin in the wild. 
Just wait till you see the Republican Party class of 2035. <laughs> oh, boy. Mm. Nice work, Yoda. So at some point, they're like, we got to split these guys up or these babies up. Right? One will be rich and one will be poor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It'll do and we're all supposed to take away that Yoda's been like meditating and talking to Qui Gon in a lot of these scenes too. Something like that, yeah. So he can so he can teach Obi Wan the ways before he ships him off <laughs> to, to be in exile. I remember Luke. I think Luke Lucas states in the commentary. I think like the one scene he would have liked to keep, as far as the deleted scenes goes, the one where Yoda lands on Dagobah. Yeah, that's the one where he's like, "Yeah, I could have left that in." Well, it's only like 30 seconds. Yeah, because it's not long. And I'm like, why did you take this up? Like, that seems like a pretty simple wrap up to the main characters in this movie. Yeah. Well, there's he tried to get Liam Neeson, but he wasn't available. Right. Because Liam Neeson came back and did Clone Wars. Yeah. No, he. Yeah. He he was going to be in this. I remember that. What was he doing instead? What's 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 Oh, yeah. Batman. Yeah, I guess so. Right. He's in the mountain. He was in Iceland somewhere filming Batman. He couldn't come in. I was I like obvious thing is that like, how busy do you have to be to just say no? I can't come in for a day. I mean, and, if you're in, I, if you're in Iceland filming in the mountains or whatever, you can't like fly to New Zealand to yeah. be in some studio for a day. Like, I, think, I get that. Max right off. Sure, but also Liam Neeson's like you know just eighty to nine years old. <laughs> he's <just laughs> doing all this stuff. Sorry, I interrupted you. You were talking about the Vader scene. Um, yeah, they Hayden Christensen is in that costume. Like, yep. he wanted yeah. to be in the costume and he wanted to walk like that and. It makes sense to me. And then, yeah, you got yeah. James Earl Jones coming in, doing his thing. Here's our tie-up loose end scene between Bail Organa, Yoda, and Obi-Wan. For all the doom and gloom that pervades the second half of this film, you, I, you do see the lightness here. You do see, like, the hope is coming back in now that things are kind of wrapping up as the story closes, which I like. Yeah. All the scenes on Bail's ship are just very purposely set in the light. This uh, this yeah. is how we get our revenge, uh, Obi-Wan. We're going to have his son grow up and kill him. We're going to play the waiting game. <laughs> We're going to do. <laughs> We're not going to old boy him with the daughter. No. We're going to... Uh... <laughs> We're going to have the son kill him. How many years do we... How many years is New Hope ahead? Like, I guess 17 or 18, right? Well, uh, what... yeah. Yeah. It's 30... Because Phantom Menace is 30 years. Then there's 10. Then Attack of the Clones 10 years later. And then 15. So 15. Here's a fun question. There's 30 years between Force Awakens and the Return of the Jedi. Given that we have the technology to de-age actors and do all kinds of stuff, do you ever think they'll be like, like they can't do it now? But what if that? What if they called Force Awakens Episode 10? What if they just did that? I know David, yeah, friend of the show, who's been on some of these commentary, he suggested that. Like, it would be better if they just called it Episode 10, and then there was like this hidden trilogy that we just never actually saw. What if there was a way to do that in the preceding years where they just like D.H. Harrison Ford and Mark Hamill? You just not include Princess Leia? I get, I get, they'd have to figure that out, and they probably would because Disney's cynical that way. And just made movies that filled in those gaps. I think they would make a lot of money. Right, they yeah. make a lot. Of, that's that's for sure. I mean, yeah. oh, they're not yeah, to do it. You can uh, find a way. I mean, I always thought it'd be cool. Um, here's a uh, to... there's there's um whale riders Keisha Castle Hughes yes. the new queen of Lulu. Um, if you could. I think I like these things they're doing with like Batman cartoons and DC where they're just doing these, whatever, let's just do this story in an animated yeah. form. I think it'd be cool if they did an animated version of the Timothy Zahn novels for people like they, they really like them. 
Uh, do it on, you know, put it to Disney Plus if you want or something like that. Just like a Elseworlds, Star Wars Legends thing, people could see that. Or you could, you could somehow try to tie that adventure into the new trilogy and rules of that. But I don't know. I, I think that'd be something neat to see. And it'd probably satisfy some sort of fan base that just isn't happy with anything after the yeah. original trilogy. Because, you know, you have these Disney haters now. But there are people that haven't liked stuff since Empire, then haven't liked stuff since like Star Wars breaks off in so many directions. You get sex that are just into it with I, cosplay. Quick, I, I just yeah. like this stuff right here where you have like Grandma of Tarkin, you have Emperor yep. and Darth, you have them watching the construction of the Death Star. Uh, that's all. That this is this is good. Like and the first look at Alderaan. Stuff. Yeah, this is our only look at Alderaan. Yeah. That... <laughs> Does Boom. the Clone Wars series go to? I think the Clone Wars series goes to Alderaan. And they blew honest. up that whole planet just for this little city. Yeah, that's, that's all it is. The rest of it's all it. it's all Himalayas yeah. and the Paramount logo. There it is. Right. They're the stars. You can see them slowly forming around the mountain. Making Transformers sounds. There's the uh, mother Princess Leia said was always sad. <laughs> I... We can't hear the music, which is really good right now. <laughs> no, it's good, like, yeah. It really informs it. Because, you know, talking about how the scenes could work on silent, we're literally watching the end of this movie that has very, no, almost no, I think no dialogue whatsoever. Yeah, like, nope. Few it's like, it's all visual. And uh, the, this is shot during Attack of the Clones, so you didn't have to go back to Tunisia. And there they are. The moisture farmers. You think Kleeg's still alive at this point? Oh, Kleeg's, he so hates that Obi-Wan's here. He's like, oh my god, Jedi. I can't believe... You never trust them, Owen. I can't, can't keep doing this. Oh my god. I'm going to yell at nope. Watto later. Should we change his name so he doesn't... Nope. Keep it the same. Oh, uh, remember, I'm Lu Ben Luke now. Lars. He's Luke Lars. I'm Ben now, by the way. Yes. Call me Ben. If people ask around town, I'm not going to change my robes or anything, but... You can call him Al. You can call me Ben. Ben. We're going to die horribly in 17 years. Yeah. How fresh <laughs> and young we look right now, though. <laughs> uh, Rick McCallum, George Lucas is yes, man. <laughs> as much as I don't necessarily need an Obi-Wan TV show, but fine. I do like that Joel, Joel Edgerton's like, yeah, why not? <laughs> I like that. Yeah. I'm into that. But he, he is going to be in it? I... I can't imagine him not being in it. He's if probably you, yeah. He's probably like if you call me. If if you're yeah. make, if you're making an Obi Wan show on Tatooine, you're here's the thing. They're gonna they're gonna give you Owen. They're gonna bring Darth Maul into it somehow. Oh, of course. No, you don't. You don't. You don't set up that nonsense cinematic universe with Solo <laughs> yep. and be and with with stupid legs, Darth Maul. It'd be like, oh, I guess that thread didn't pay off. No, of course they're gonna do whatever they stupidly planned to do in their Obi Wan movie that got canceled. <laughs> like that's that's yep. how it happened. Can you tell I don't care about Darth Maul past Phantom Menace, by the way? <laughs> me neither. It is, it is not interesting to me at all. I never cared about this. I don't care about it in the Clone Wars. I don't care about him at all. Leave him Leave him in the bottom of the pit. This is correct. I mean, <laughs> I... I, I, I haven't been offended it, by what they've done, but it, it is unnecessary. Yeah, but it's, it's just it's, so dramatic. Every every time every time he talks, it's like, oh, the world is ending. It's so overdramatic. Everything I love he, the, he was the, the Boba Fett of the prequel trilogy. Like, I love how one of the first times he showed up on Clone Wars, this was back when he had like spider legs, he says uh -huh. to the effect of, you know, I will have my revenge on Obi-Wan because he you left me for dead. Like, <laughs> he didn't leave you for dead. He chopped he you in you. half. 
He reminds me of Gary Oldman as Spider Smith in the Lost in Space movie that we also uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's what he, that's that's his his performance. I will say this though, to credit where credits due, I do think the final episode between Obi Wan and yes. him in the Clone Wars series is pretty great. I think the oh yeah where, where he actually does die finally. It's some I mean, hardcore samurai stuff, man. It, it, it is. is it is yeah. right out of the uh, samurai trilogy movies. There's like a beach fight in one of those that like perfectly yeah. mimics that those desert. Movies are great. Yeah. Oh yeah. No. That's what I mean. That's what like dear Star Wars fans, go watch samurai movies. If you like Star Wars so much, you'll you'll appreciate your movies even more, and even the ones you don't. Yeah, and Katie sure. Lucas. I said Lucas's kids were in this movie. <laughs> I, like, I, I thought you were talking. No, we were talking about the opera scene. I was like, yeah, the opera scene. I know George Lucas, Lucas is, like, is wearing a big stupid costume or something somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I'm I'm gonna be in one of my movies now. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna ditch yeah. the sweater for a bit and uh, be with Ian, Ian in a scene and Hayden. Yeah, we'll, we'll do that. Yeah. Oh, Caleb McFarland. And by all means, this should have been the end, but it wasn't. It's never going to be the end. George wasn't even, it wasn't even the end for George because he was, he was intending to write the outlines for the, the next trilogy. Like he was never, he was never. should have. Scott, stop acting like you don't love The Last Jedi. (laughs) Oh, I do. Very much. What? Um, And honestly, even if, if, even if Rise of Skywalker isn't that great, fine, whatever. I, I like else? more Star Wars. I'm not going to complain about more yeah. Star Wars. Like, I'm not going to Yeah. I mean, uh, we're, we're talking about this. To, I'd love to see Lucas' original ideas. I bet they were interesting. I, I'd we're, like to see them. I bet they would have been hated just like everybody else hates everything Star Wars. But, yeah, yeah, but I would have liked them. You know, my, thing, my thing is that I don't understand with people is the giving up thing. Like, just drop a dead cold after one. Like, I'm always at the part like, well, there's going to be more, so maybe I'll like the next one. So if you didn't like The Last Jedi, why aren't you like, well, maybe the next one will be for me. Like, there's going to be another movie. Like, I don't understand, like, just this hard cutoff that you didn't do with the prequels, which were probably equally offensive to you. Like, I... It's very political, Star Wars now. The audience is very um, political. It's so... I think a lot of that is a very loud minority. Well, and yeah. They're very performative. Yeah. And I think they may sneak in with a stupid disguise, but they'll, they'll go see it. Right. And and I just don't like the, the people you can't so they'll have a problem with something you'll explain it to them and they're like maybe it just sucks and that's it it's like wait no like what is your issue it's weird I think it's a lot of it's a lot of headcanon that just I they think everything was set up for something or I don't know I, I think the coolest thing that Ryan Johnson did right and I know we're not talking about that where the credits is that he said I get to make a Star Wars movie I'm gonna make a complete thought. Which is not something which yeah, is not done called. anymore. It is not it's done called. anymore. He said, "I get one shot at this. I'm going to make a movie that has a beginning and an end to it. That's definitive, like we yep. used to do, and it drives people nuts. Like, why weren't they planning? Th-? He was working with J.J. Abrams, but they allowed him to just make his movie. And I think it's better than that. I love that. I have no idea where this next movie's going. Yeah, that's a hey, fun I'm, place to be. It's such a fine ending that even if I hate Rise of Skywalker. I don't care. Last Jedi will be the end for me. Here's no. I got Last Jedi. I got I got that movie I've been waiting for. So if 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 Rise of Skywalker is merely good, I'm I'm happy. That was just it's cool. We got a minute left for this movie before it ends. Let's get it back to the movie a little bit. Um, ended on a bit of a lighter note. How many times did you guys see this movie when it came out? Three or four. This was 
This is the summer I moved to uh, Los Angeles was when this came out. Um, I saw it all before that. Um, when I moved there, this was the first. This was the only one, uh, the first Star Wars movie not to open at the Chinese. This was uh, at the ArcLight. There was a big deal about huh. that. Huh. And yeah, there, are, right. there are people protesting, trying to get it to open <laughs> in the Chinese. Like, that was going to work. But I remember my first day when I moved there, it was still... I moved at the end of June. It was still playing in the Cinerama Dome. Or no, it wasn't playing in the Cinerama Dome. Because I went and saw Land of the Dead. That wasn't this. Or no, it wasn't. Yeah, see, how many times have you seen this movie? Whatever. <laughs> in the theater, you mean? Yeah. <clears throat> I think two or three times. I made a conscious effort to not see it too many times because I figured it was going to be the last one and I didn't want to use up all my viewings too quickly. That makes any sense, right? You know what I mean? Like, I still have yeah, only yeah. seen it four or five times, which I like. I'm not completely 100% familiar with it. Um, I, I saw it I, on opening night at midnight yep. and I saw it once in IMAX down at Universal City Walk a week or a couple weeks later. Like I did that exact thing too. I saw an opening night at ArcLight and then saw it again somewhere. Yeah, I saw it late at a midnight show in college. Came down and saw it. I'm pretty sure I've seen it four times in theaters. I I I I, I can remember three of those times specifically, and I'm pretty sure there was a fourth one too. I I was I kept it was that summer where I was like I can just keep seeing this. Like, this is uh, fun. There, <laughs> those were those were the days, man. Like I saw this a bunch, and I got I saw Batman Begins like four or five times. Like yeah, I saw that three times. Like it, it's crazy. Like now it's like you're sacrificing seeing something. You yeah, there's too much new stuff. Like there was a lot of new stuff even back then, but now it's there's not time because there's so much other things to see. I say all this. And, like, I love Star Wars, but I saw Peter Jackson's King Kong in December. I saw that, like, five or six times. Like, I kept seeing that movie. I saw it one time. I saw it with Scott at the Woodland Hills Theater. There. Uh, no, I used... we saw it at the Westwood. Westwood. That was it. Westwood, yep. I couldn't get enough of it. I was like, I'm going to see this every time I can. Three hours. <laughs> I'm like, I'm all in on this thing. We released it in 3D now. I will go see it right away. I'm, I'm so, uh-huh. just so psyched for that movie. Uh-huh. Anyway, we've talked all about Revenge of the Sith. I'm now supposed it to all... watch Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Yeah, we jump right to that. Apparently we have to watch doing. Rogue One next. And time. after yeah, every yeah, Mandalorian, you have to watch Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> yeah, it, it, does, it recommends that to you. Yeah, it does. It recommends it to you every time. It's funny. Um, anyway, yeah, we've, 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 we've thoroughly covered everything involving this movie. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Where can people find everyone's work online? Brandon? Uh, if you like Abbott and Costello, good news. Uh, go to whysoblue.com. That's all that's on the front page. Um, and uh, Cults of McCavalcade, uh, we um, are having an interesting month. Our, our normal Mondays is off this month because we have special stuff going on. We are, we have a, we're talking about um, right now, the episode up would be a uh, Doctor Who uh, three episode serial because it was, you know, 30 years ago this month. Uh, the show went off the air. You know, aired its last episode. We talk about that. Um, we have Friday the 13th in this month, so we have James Oster, who's a well-known face on this sh- or voice on this show, uh, there, and we'll be doing something special for Star Wars coming up later. Yancey? Um, yeah, uh, the big news is uh, going forward, Why So Blue, I'll be doing stuff, hopefully. I've got one piece up there, and I'm working on another few right now. Um, so that's the newest and the latest and the greatest for me. Also, Yancey Jack on Twitter. Scott Mendelson. Uh, Forbes.com. Uh, Google Forbes, the ticket booth, Scott Mendelson. Uh, I have Twitter at, at Scott Mendelson. I have a Facebook page that I mostly just use for family stuff and posting my articles. 
But basically, it's Twitter and ticket booths. Tell him you hate him under family pictures about movies. Correct. Yeah, get, leave all your comments about the Snyder Cut over there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You can find me on on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. I write at WeLiveEntertainment.com. All my stuff can be found at TheCodeOfZeke.com. Uh, you know where you can find our podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Audio Boom, all of that. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And uh, yeah, no, thanks everyone for. Thank you, Scott, Nancy, and Brandon for joining me for this commentary track. Mm-hmm. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Always a pleasure. A Loved it. Thanks to the listeners for staying along with us for this is one of the longer ones too. It's a long episode, so yeah, thank for all that. Stay tuned for well later this month we'll be reviewing Rise of the Skywalker, which is certainly exciting to uh, get into and and cats. Uh, and cats, of course. Yes, that'll be a special episode, three hours, of course. And but yeah, until all of that, until next time, so long and goodbye.